Merry Christmas, softball fans. The bracket is out. It is time for, in my opinion, the most heavily anticipated show of the year on the Out of the Box podcast. Gray Robertson alongside Tom Canterbury. Tom, look right here on this desk. Mm. We've got a field of 64. Yes. We were both at the watch party right. last night. What a time to be a softball fan. And despite the picture, I was very excited to see the bracket put out. And uh, I'll have to tweet out that picture. Right. And happy to see that Oklahoma lucked their way into the number one seed. Found their way, yes. man. Uh, there was Those lucky so suitors. much doubt. Yes. <laughs> Great. People are already upset with yeah. us. We've been well, on yeah. for 30 seconds. <laughs> okay. This is the fun show. This is the show where we don't have guests, but it's just us. We get to go. We get to look at the whole bracket. We will start at the plate, give our initial bracket reactions. It's going to be, at least for me, a tonally different reaction show. I'm not pulling out the pitchforks this year, but we're, we're not just generally upset. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, but more on mm. that in a bit. We'll also take an in depth look at the Tuscaloosa Regional, which will be interesting, although I think Alabama's got as good a path as you could ask for in a crazy year like this. We will advance to first look at the left side of the bracket. Go to NCAA.com, print one out. You'll be able to follow along with us. Right side of the bracket when we steal second. Then we will round third and make our picks. The SEC tournament picks, basically a wash. We yeah. both sucked. Right. It, it was just a, a forgettable tournament for everybody. Yeah. Except for Arkansas. For That's right. The Hogs, <clears throat> hey, they did yeah. their thing. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll make our picks all the way to the Women's College World Series, and then we will head home. And for the first time since the beginning of the year, we've got a mailbag, lots of people sending in questions. So Ooh, yeah, plenty we're going to get to. Off the wall, a brief Tom's Hungry because we didn't spend a ton of time yeah. in Gainesville. Yeah. <laughs> We hit a couple of the places that we didn't get the first time, though, so we will be able to talk about it. We had this whole <laughs> plan, this yeah. list. Tournaments that, you know, it happens sometimes. Yeah, we just have to attack earlier. Right, yes. Just attack earlier in the count. That's, right, yes. That's what we have to do. So that's the whole show. Should be a good one. Let's start with our initial bracket reactions. I'm going to dive into what I guess is kind of the main controversy in just a moment, but I'm going to be honest, Tom. In all the years that we've done this, this is our third bracket reaction show. And the six years that I've been with you, this is the fifth NCAA tournament that I have been emotionally tied to in some way. I think this is as close to nailing it as the committee's ever been, especially with the seeding teams. Now, again, there are a couple that, you know, you can mix and match a little bit. And we'll talk about UCLA, Arizona State in just a moment. But I actually think the committee did a great job. They checked a lot of the boxes that I was looking for. There was evenness across the seeded teams. My favorite part is that there really aren't any interconference super regional matchups except for Alabama, Tennessee. Of course. But they didn't yeah. play in the right, regular season. Yeah. So we're, you know, I was actually concerned. And for a hot second, I thought we were going to see Arkansas, Florida again as a super regional. But the committee avoided that. I yeah. thought they did a really outstanding job for the most part. And it's never going to be perfect. It never is. But this is as close to an A as I can give to a committee since we've started this. Yeah. I, in general, I think it's a really good bracket. But like you said, you know, 2019, there was the obvious Alabama, Florida uh, five and eight situation, which amazingly is very mirroring UCLA, Arizona State, which we'll talk about. But outside of that, even in 2019, I thought they did a pretty good job. Last year, the big issue I had was sending a team that won the ACC to the number three overall seed it's a two seed in their regional right uh so it wasn't necessarily the seeds it was who was coming into regionals uh there were some pretty easy regionals for some teams that were not some of the top seeded teams uh which i think kind of defeats the purpose of doing seedings like that but this year i thought they did a really good job of spreading out the number twos uh and even some of the threes as well 
to where, you know, some of the easy regionals are for the top teams, which they should be. Right. And I think that this is the most intriguing regionals as a whole has ever been like every pod that popped up last night I looked and goes oh that's not easy that's a tough one. Oh, they could trip up there and then I looked and they were like at the end of the day 14 out of the 16 regionals I could see an upset happening there are two yeah. that I feel confident won't and we'll get to that later but overall I was like shoot nobody's got an easy path to yeah. Oklahoma City it was it was interesting being in the room in the clubhouse at Road Stadium with the team watching that reaction show and every time the number two or the three seed in the regional came up, there was a, ooh, mm-hmm. there, there was like, there was, oh, so yeah, I, I, I agree. There may be somewhere uh, I'm not going to be able, I'm not going to pick the right. seeded team to lose, but there are some of the, well, they're going to have to play well. Uh, they're not going to be able to roll out, roll out their helmets and, and get out of this regional. That's how I feel. I've been talking a lot to Jen and Tara, Jen Schroeder, Tara Henry, of course, you know, longtime guests of the podcast. Mm, right. And kind of like the consensus is there are a lot of upsets that we're not bold enough to pick, but that we feel have almost a slightly good chance of happening. I just, you know, I'll pick a couple when we do selections later, but I'm not bold enough to pick some of the ones that I'm thinking of now. I could see a lot of these regionals going to that if necessary. Absolutely. Yeah. Now that being said, while, you know, the committee did a great job, there was the one misstep. And that's been pretty universally agreed upon as a misstep, and that's UCLA and Arizona State. And not even necessarily the fact that UCLA was ranked ahead of Arizona State, because I can even somewhat negotiate that. It's it's the three-seed difference, UCLA being the five-seed, Arizona State being the eight-seed. That, to me, was what was confusing. And we've talked a lot you know, in the past couple of years about how important a regular season championship should be. I think at this point when I'm doing these bracketologies in the future, which by the way, update on my grades in just a moment, hmm. I've got to, I've just got to not take regular season championships into account as much as I do head to head. We know it matters, but it is probably fifth or sixth on the list of things the committee really values. And even there, I, I look at these profiles side by side and I, I really don't see a reason for a three C difference besides the fact that UCLA is four spots higher in the RPI, because otherwise a lot of these metrics, strength of schedule, non-conference strength of schedule, top 10 wins, top 25 wins, top 50 wins, record against tournament teams, good wins. They are all pretty much the same. Right. The committee doesn't take conference championships into account, which is wrong. They should, especially when the two teams that you're talking about are in the same conference. Right. Uh, it, It should matter. I know that it's not always exactly the same because you could put a little asterisk by Clemson's ACC championship last year because they didn't play play Florida State, that type of thing. But in the Pac-12, they all play each other. Exactly. So that, I mean, it, it should matter for sure. And look at what Arizona State had to do to secure that Pac-12 title. Right. When two out of three against UCLA and two out of three on the road against Washington, who the committee seated at 13. And we'll go through uh, the entire list of seedings a little bit later in the show if you haven't looked at the bracket yet. But Arizona State did literally everything they were asked to do, and they still got punished because of what has to be three non-conference losses to Texas State, LMU, and Missouri State. I think even if they just beat Missouri State, who's 85 in the RPI, right. they're probably higher. And that was a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, yes, it is an entire body of work situation. Uh, and, you know, the games in February should count. But I don't think they should count more than games that happen, you know, in conference, those type of right. things. Um, and sometimes when you take a look at non-conference schedule, 
you seem to make that even be more important in the conference schedule, which it shouldn't be. I, I really think when you look at it, when you look at these two resumes, the big difference, one team's UCLA and one team's not. Mm. I really think that's the difference. Well, that comes up later. We'll talk about Arizona. A lot of people in the mailbag had questions about Arizona. That was kind of universally disagreed upon that the Wildcats should be in the field. I was texting multiple people who agreed with that last night. But lo and behold, Arizona's back in the NCAA tournament ahead of teams like Utah, like Western Kentucky, like Charlotte, whose RPI was around 30-31. Right. And a lot of people I mean, think it was because of brand name. Yeah, I mean, that that's what it comes down to sometimes, you know. In basketball, if, if Duke's on the bubble, they're going to have a better chance to get in than Southern Utah is. That's just the way it is. <laughs> and, you know, I think that kind of was reflected a little bit in the some of the team's reactions as well. One that was kind of notable was when Florida was announced as a 14 seed, and then they showed the Florida reaction it was kind of a muted reaction as though they thought they were going to be higher and they were upset for being 14, where I think 14 was a really good slot for them. That's what I had. Yeah. It was just, they, I think they thought we're Florida. We're going to be, we're going to be higher. We're going to get the benefit of the doubt. And it doesn't, it didn't happen there, but I, I really think, you know, when you look at it, UCLA has, you know, not that Arizona state doesn't have history, but they don't have UCLA's history. And I think it, it, it was a brand name situation. Yeah, I, I think just bottom line, what really bothers me the most is the five to eight difference. Right. I mean, the reason the similarities between Alabama and Florida in 2019 aren't totally 100% there is because there isn't also the head-to-head factor in the teams between UCLA and Arizona State in 19 Alabama, but also beaten Arizona and beaten Minnesota. Right. Arizona State actually has a loss to Oklahoma State and then didn't play Alabama. So, so that's not adding fuel to the fire there. But even the best wins... Arizona State's kind of got better, best wins. Yeah. Um, non-conference, you know, Arizona State, again, has those losses, but their best non-conference wins, pretty similar to what UCLA had. Again, I can rationalize numerically UCLA being one spot ahead of Arizona State, even though I wouldn't agree with it. Three spots, I don't get it. Yeah. And that's that's really the one qualm I've got. That I, th- I think this was the one mistake the committee really made. Yeah. Uh, like I said, other than that, I think they did a really good job. So before we uh, dive into some other bracket reactions and then the Tuscaloosa Regional, I do want to brag. I'm going to brag, Tom. Do it. I've been doing the bracketology for now three years, 19 last year and this year, and I've, I've missed a lot. I've, I've had years where I'm like, shoot, I don't know what I'm looking at, but it wasn't this year. 16 out of 16 regionals, eight out of eight super sos. I nailed five of the seeds, which were pretty comparable to what a lot of people who have done this a lot longer than me put out. So I'm really excited about that. And I've already taken notes about what changes I will make to my own process moving forward in particular, just not looking as heavily at regular season championships, but I'm really proud of that because folks, y'all, y'all don't see me toil on the document for hours and there was a lot of prayer as I was putting together the list before the selection show. And I feel like I at least somewhat understand the process better. And that is helpful when we do a show like this. Yeah. Cause, and again, your bracketology, you are trying to get what the committee is going to do. You're not doing what you would do. Exactly. You're doing what the, to the best of my ability. Right. Yeah. Great job. And like you say, the, I, I think part of the problem is, I think you study the numbers and go through this more than some of the people on the committee does. <laughs> Something that needs to change. Yeah. I, I do think that there is a direct correlation between this being one of the better brackets we've seen and there now being three coaches on the committee. I do wonder 
if they maybe had Arizona State higher and they got overruled, that's always a possibility sure. because they're not the majority. But I, I can't help but think that there's a reason why this is one of the best brackets we've seen in a while. And part of it is because we had more just softball people on the committee. And as we talked about too, that I think that with more spotlight and more scrutiny on it, there's going to be, it's going to be better because you're going to have to work more on it. Right. Or there's going to be more and more yelling and screaming. The, at the end of the day, you want the focus to be on the play on the field, on the tournament itself, on the women's college world series. You don't want the focus to be on, man, this bracket sucks. Mm-hmm. And I, I think they have, they have gotten past that part at least to now where even when this all comes out, we can quibble about a few things, but overall it's a really good bracket. It's going to turn out to be a really good tournament. All right, the top eight seeds, Oklahoma's number one, Florida State is number two, Virginia Tech number three, Arkansas number four, UCLA number five, Alabama six, Oklahoma State seven, Arizona State eight. I feel like the only gripe I have there is the UCLA-Arizona State thing, and I had Arkansas switched with Virginia Tech just because the Hogs won the regular season and tournament title from the number one RPI conference. Right. But, again, regular season titles – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make that adjustment going forward. <laughs> you shouldn't have to because it should matter. But The number nine seed is Northwestern. 10 is Clemson. 11 is Tennessee. 12 is Duke. 13, Washington. 14, Florida. 15, Missouri. And congratulations to 16 seed UCF. You did it. Ooh. You did it. You're hosting. Texas got kicked to the curb, as I thought they should have, because their resume was honestly just not good besides the Oklahoma win. So great job to the Knights. They weren't gifted with the easiest regional in the world, and we'll talk about that later, but a bit of history for UCF. Absolutely. Well, I'm, but they're the 16 seed. The 16 seed should have the That's true. Toughest, toughest regional. So, uh, But, yeah, it's, it's a great job by them. The first mid-major team to host since James Madison did. I think it was in 2014 or 15. It's been a while uh, since that's happened. So they're going to uh, get to have Hall of Famers and, and a, a great team like Michigan coming in as their number two. So. It's going to be a, a, a quite a regional down there in Orlando. Very excited about that. And again, we will break that down in just a minute. That's actually in the next segment of the show. But let's talk about the Tuscaloosa Regional. Alabama, your number six overall seed. I picked Alabama at five. I really wanted six. So I'm actually pretty pleased with how yeah. the whole night played out. And your opponents, the Stanford Cardinal out of the Pac-12. Murray State, the OVC tournament champions. And Chattanooga your Southern Conference tournament champions. No regional is ever easy. It's the NCAA tournament. Everybody's there for a reason. That being said, top to bottom, this is one of the more favorable draws I've seen Alabama get in the last few years. When the bar is the number one team in the nation, Minnesota, uh, when (laughs) when it's the ACC regular season champion Clemson, those type of teams coming in, um, it's hard not to be tougher than those. So like I said, I think it's, it's a regional that, when you look at it, especially on paper, it's not one that just absolutely scares you. RPI-wise, you have a team like Chattanooga, who was a Cinderella winner of the SOCON. If you're looking at it, if you were just to seed it snake-wise, I don't think necessarily that Stanford would be 27, probably. Thereabouts. Yeah. Don't ask me to do math. Right. Fly, 26, Tom. 27, somewhere around there. I don't think that's probably where it, where it landed, but I think there's just... Like you said, when they were trying to get creative on trying to bust a certain number of teams, you had to, uh, I think it just worked out for Sanford to fall here. Yeah, and you know what? This regional, and we're going to talk more about these other teams in just a moment. This regional is going to be all about the pitching. 
All right, so here is what our friend Ashley Taylor at Ohio, assistant coach there, put together. She she throws all these great stats together, and it compares the RPI, ERA, batting average, and fielding percentage of all the regionals. Okay. Overall, Tuscaloosa is fourth of the regionals in ERA and 15th in batting average. That's every team combined. You take out the four seed, second in ERA, and 15th in batting average. So that tells me, Tom, pitching, pitching, pitching. We're going to see a lot of 2-1 games, 2-0 games. Maybe if we get crazy, a 3-1 Ooh, game. yes. But for the most part, a lot of low scoring in T-Town. Probably so. And it's going to be one of those things where if you're an Alabama fan, if Alabama gets out of this regional, I don't necessarily you'll think, well, all the offensive issues are, are solved because like you said, Alabama's going to be facing some really good pitching here in Tuscaloosa this weekend. Yeah. It starts with Stanford, Elena Botter, 22 and 11 this year, a one nine one ERA 143 strikeouts to a minute 34 walks. Wow. Has wins over UCLA and Missouri this year. One of the best pitchers in the pac 12. She's been on the radar for a while, Tom, and she's going to get a chance on a big stage to make a statement in the Tuscaloosa regional this upcoming weekend. Yeah, and it's going to be a situation where will Sanford be able to hold her until an Alabama game in game right. number two, or do you feel you need to pitch her in game number one against Murray State? That's always, when you're the two especially, that's always one of those things you have to decide as the coach. Am I going to throw my number one out there? Am I going to throw the number one out there two times in a row? How is this going to work? Yeah, and their other option, Reagan Krause, also pretty good. 183 ERA, opposing batting average of 194. Stanford is led by the pitching. The offensive numbers are not super explosive, is how I would put it. 24 home runs as a team. You thought Alabama's numbers were low? Mm. Oh, Stanford. Hello. Uh, Taylor Gindelsberger, she has been around. She's got a lot of experience, 354 average. That leads the team. A lot of speed. Team batting average of 270. In my opinion, Considering what we know about the struggles of Alabama right now, which is the offense, right? Yeah. I think that Stanford is actually a really good matchup for the Tide because I just, looking at that lineup, I don't see an offense that's going to get four or five runs off Montana. You know, she doesn't give up that many runs typically, but when she does, it's against those explosive offenses, and this really isn't that. Yeah, you're going to have to rely – on Montana Fouts and also the Alabama defense needs to continue to be the defense is key to me they've they've got to play clean yeah beyond that Murray State a team ERA of 145 it's pretty darn good their team whip which is walks and hits per innings pitched is 0.89 and Tom I've got it on the document Alabama's by comparison is 114 wow so that that shows you Murray State not playing the toughest schedule like Alabama is but still it's a pretty impressive number it, it really is. And, you know, that's a little bit higher than you would be expecting for Alabama overall. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, and you know, Murray State will try and keep that number where it is with Hannah James, the OVC Pitcher of the Year, a 1-1-8 ERA, 226 strikeouts to 23 walks. Goodness gracious. Those are Montana numbers. I mean, good is, Lord. Is Cameron Ellison calling balls and strikes? <laughs> a 165 opposing batting average. She is going to be tough. I haven't watched film yet. I'm excited to, though, and I hope that there's a reason for me to and that we get to see Murray State at some point because uh, looking at these numbers, uh, you've got Logan Braunmeyer, first team all, Ohio Valley Conference, Gracie Osborne, good, solid, well-rounded offense. Like, this is a team that I would just like to talk about on the air. This is this is a fun racers squad. Yeah, two, two, two pitchers with a sub-1.0 
one four ERA. So I would assume Hannah James will pitch in game one against against Stanford. But you got to feel good about either one of those being able to go however they advance in this regional. Yeah, that's that's going to be really interesting. And Murray State, a big reason why they're the three seed here. The committee chairwoman talked with Justin McLeod and said that Murray State probably would have been a four seed, but this is kind of where busing came into play. So they're getting a chance as a three. What kind of statement can they make? Uh, I think that they've got the pitching to perhaps at least stay around in some of these games against the Stanfords and the Alabamas. Yeah, agreed. The four seed is Chattanooga. Choo-choo, the moxer steamrolling into town. Come on in. <laughs> Brooke Parrott is your ace, which let's go. Hmm. I'm ready to add to the all-name team. It's been a while, Tom. <laughs> 248 ERA, 15-7 record. Emily Coltharp, first-team all-SOCON. Reagan Armour, first-team all-SOCON. They've both got a bunch of RBIs this year. Coltharp, 24.6 stolen bases. So a lot of speed there. Chattanooga, not super high up in the RPI, and they did have to really go on a great run in the SOCON to get here. But they had to go on a great run in the SOCON to get here. So that means they're playing well. And they're really motivated because they feel like they have nothing to lose, I'm assuming. And that makes them at least somewhat dangerous in the Tuscaloosa Regional. Yeah, sometimes those Cinderella-type teams in the conference tournament, it just depends on their mindset once they get here. Have they felt that they've already accomplished what, they, what they're going out to do? Or do they have that mindset, like you said, well, we, we have, no one thought we were going to be here. Let's just keep on going. Might as well. Yeah, so we'll see how they are able to come out. I think it'll be important for Alabama to try to strike first and, and get on top early against Chattanooga when they play on Friday. For many reasons. Yeah. Like absolutely. let's get the offense rolling. We got the new bats. Yeah. We got, we know of some things that have been done in practice to get people rolling and rocking and back to where they were. And right. I, I feel like that this Chattanooga matchup, because this team ERA at three, two, eight, that's by far the worst in the regional of the other two teams you could potentially play. So this first game will be the chance to really get that offensive magic back. Yeah, totally agree. All right, the schedule, Alabama-Chattanooga, 3 o'clock Central Time. I believe it's on the SEC Network, and, of course, we'll have the coverage on the Crimson Tide Sports Network. Stanford-Murray State directly following. I believe that is on ESPN+, Plus, which, by the way, all NCAA tournament games not on actual television will be on the Plus, ESPN+, Plus, not SEC Network+. Plus. You will have to have an ESPN+, Plus subscription. I'm glad I have that because I'm going to be just changing, oh, yeah. the, changing the channel on that smart TV in there all day <laughs> long, Tom. It's really, you know, like what the NCAA tournament is for basketball, the regionals, you know, the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament for basketball, people just sit there and you can watch it from, oh. from noon until midnight. Uh, you can do the same thing with softball and, and it's definitely worth doing. It's so much fun. The, the best out-of-box podcast scoreboard updates of the whole season. All right, we got the PGA Championship. We got regionals. Like, you could not ask for anything better. How many stat broadcasts do you think we'll have up at one time? Oh, at, at least you know, 15, 16. That's awesome. Yes. freaking sport. I love it. <laughs> and by the way, it all starts on Friday at 11 a.m. Central time. So like, you know, if you want to sleep in a little bit, you can rise and shine, get out of bed and watch Georgia Liberty in the Durham Regional. Wow. What a way to kick it off. I, I like how the committee, by the way, had a little bit of a sense of humor putting Georgia <laughs> and Duke back in the same regional again, this time in Durham. Uh, I guess we should probably talk about all the regional. Mm, shouldn't we, yeah, I guess so. Okay. We have put it in play, Tom. Who are we? Wow. I've Not missed, a ton yeah. of options. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, yee. Prangy did good. Okay, we'll give it to Prangy. <laughs> good job, actually, Prangy. Yes. We put it in play, and it's time to advance to first. And we come back. We're looking at the left side of the bracket, starting with Oklahoma. 
Is Norman going to be a challenge? Probably not, but there's some interesting injury buzz. We'll talk about that when we get back here on the Out of the Box podcast. reaction show we're not super angry this year that's really nice change of pace gray robertson tom canterbury tom let's go are you ready to break down the left side i'm not coining new phrases at this point i know webster's is not going to give you a call this year i don't think we're gonna have to make shirts i think we're okay well that's good for our budget well okay (laughs) which is zero okay let's look at the left side of the bracket and again follow along on the ncaa website you can print one out that'll be great for making your predictions we will start in norman the number one overall seed the oklahoma sooners with two seed shockingly actually texas a&m the two seed in norman three seed minnesota and four seed prairie view i don't see a bunch of challenges here for ou but i think it is worth mentioning as we teased at the end of the last segment jordy ball did not appear in the big 12 tournament and Patty Gasso has talked about soreness, and there is some buzz that this could be a lengthy thing, perhaps. No one really knows, which we have a lot of experience and coaches not wanting to shed a bunch of light on pitching situations. But if Jordy Ball is unavailable in this regional, I still think OU sweeps through it, but it's at least a little bit more interesting. It's not as concerning for the regional, but when you start getting the super regionals and maybe even Oklahoma City, if she's not back by then, it becomes definitely a talking point. For sure. Do you see any world where AM is able to hang with OU? Should that matchup happen? Not really. Uh, unless uh, Mackenzie Herzog has not just one, but two just, you know, of her best performances of the year. And and, and Lee and Dak and those can, can you know, it's going to be up to the stars yeah. to, to try to try to hang with OU. Because OU, we have seen teams that have an explosive offense, if they can pitch OU a little bit that they can they can hang with them so it, I don't think it, it's not a hundred percent probably 99.5 percent though for yeah maybe A&M has a Joe Evans last stand moment and makes one of the games competitive but I, I it would be a shocker like the biggest shocker in college softball history if OU yeah. did not make it out of this regional yeah it'd be really tough to see anybody beating OU twice that's for sure Moving on down, let's go to Orlando. I can't believe I'm excited for UCF, but I am. Like, this is yeah. this is cool. Number 16 seed, Knights. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> as, long, as, as long as they don't declare themselves the national champion just for, for, <laughs> for hosting, it's okay. You can root for them. Yes. The two seed is Michigan. Oh, Michigan Ooh. for the second year in a row goes as the two seed to the 16 overall seed. Three seed, a South Dakota State team out of a Summit League that can pitch, y'all. This team has got some arms. And Villanova with Dame Judy Dench, Paige Rao in the circle and at the plate. Daggummit, UCF got as tough a draw as you can ask for, which, as you mentioned earlier, you're the 16 seed. It's not supposed to be easy. Exactly. All right. Yeah. It's If this this tournament was seeded, you know, 100% by the book seeding-wise, the 16 seeds should have the toughest regional and the number one seed should have the, should have the easiest. Uh, it's kind of the way it worked out. Yeah, honestly. I think that the Michigan thing here is almost too tough to ignore. We'll get to picks later, but mm-hmm. Michigan is playing with a lot of energy. It didn't necessarily translate in the Big Ten championship game, but the Taylor bump home run and the semis to beat Northwestern, they, they're pitching well with Bobian and Storaco. This is as tough as it gets for UCF. 
they, they've kind of those two uh, pitchers for Michigan, Bobby and Sirocco, struggled early on. At at one point, I know in the mid uh, season discussion, we talked about Michigan being one of the most disappointing teams yeah. in the entire nation, but they really kind of turned it on toward the end of the year and, and are playing their best softball right now. Yeah, so that'll be fun to watch. Michigan, UCF, South Dakota State again. The Jackrabbits do not ignore them. Mm. They can they can do some things in the circle. And Villanova, Pedro, really proud of them. Great run the Big East tournament. Let's move on down to Evanston. Northwestern, your number nine overall seed with two seed Notre Dame, three seed McNeese, and four seed Oakland. And of course, we think back, you know, to a couple weeks ago when we were sitting in the same studio slash office yeah. mm-hmm. and recording a podcast and watching a staff broadcast update us as Notre Dame beat Northwestern. So now potentially we could see that same matchup in this regional. Yeah. So, you know, you see a couple teams that have played each other here this season, a team like Northwestern, who, you know, just a couple weeks ago, as we were talking, we thought they were going to be a top eight seed. They, yeah. were, they were really playing themselves in there, but then had a tough couple of weeks, including getting run ruled a couple of times by Minnesota, kind of ending the season on a down note, falling into that number nine, which I thought might've been even a little bit high to begin with for them too. It's a tough matchup because there is that familiarity between them and the Irish. This is why I was happy you were at the watch party because now you got to experience the gray turn and look back with a questioning look on his face. Yeah. Northwestern was one of those where I turned and looked back at you and went, huh, hmm. really? Yeah. Okay. I, I thought nine was a little high and they're not playing all that well, as you said, you know, again, losing to, to Michigan in the big 10 tournament and just the offense hasn't been doing a ton of explosive things like they were throughout the regular season. Notre Dame, however, is trying to fight history. They have never played in a super regional. They were so close last year in Lexington. Can they find a way with Gaskins and Holloway and Peyton Tid? I I think they've got a real good shot. Honestly, this is as good a draw as you can ask for against a top 10 national seed. Let's go on down. How about this draw? This is not good. This is actually really difficult. In many ways, this could be viewed as the toughest regional. The number eight overall seed, Arizona State, with two seed LSU, three seed San Diego State, and Maggie Ballant, who's just throwing no hitters and perfect games left and right, and Cal State Fullerton, who is 60 in the RPI. So this is, by average, the highest collective RPI regional. And Arizona State, your Pac-12 champs, has to deal with it that is not fun yeah so i mean if you're arizona state then that's this is another reason to be upset with the committee is that not only did we fall to the eighth seed we got one of the toughest overall regionals as the eighth seed i think i i think the sun devils are going to be okay because the main issue as we talked about all year long with lsu is they can't really put a couple of good games together they can't sustain momentum so even if they're able to get a game uh, I could, this could be one of those regionals like we talked about that go the full seven games, but I think Arizona State is probably going to be able to come out of it. But uh, LSU's there, San Diego State, like you said, is having uh, a renaissance, uh, one of their best years they've ever had. And then Fullerton, they have history and, and they, they know what it takes to go out there and win out on the West Coast. So this is a really tough regional, like you said. That LSU-San Diego State game, war. I'm ready for that. That's going to be fun. And you're right. I see a world where LSU wins a game against Arizona State. It's hard for me to imagine them finding a way to win two games in a row or even just twice against Arizona State. And you got to remember, too, Arizona State, they certainly remember what happened to them last year. Yes. When they they didn't even make it to the championship game of their own regional. They're going to have 
just the chip on their shoulder, just massive for numerous reasons this year. Very exciting. Can't yes. wait. That's in Tim P. Let's keep going down on the left side of your bracket. Five seed UCLA. As I've looked at this regional, it's actually, in my estimation, gotten tougher and tougher each time I think about it more. Your two seed is Ole Miss. Three seed is Loyola Marymount. Shout out to Sam Fisher. And Grand Canyon, the four seed, going to L.A. I still think that UCLA is the most talented team here, but the Bruins do have a thing against left-handed pitchers. And right now, Ole Miss's best arm in the circle is the lefty Anna Borgen. And that makes this a little bit more interesting than I thought when this initially popped up on the screen. At first, I was like, oh, UCLA, easy. Now I'm not so sure it's going to be that simple. And we saw Ole Miss had one of the better offensive performances in the entire SEC tournament. One of the few slugfests at the entire tournament when they beat Georgia. Uh, really late at night oh my gosh <laughs> you were Wednesday. gone I was yes. like fading on this yeah just not good we were there for like the first four or five innings they're like we got to go <laughs> got to get my beauty sleep because I Alabama's about to make a run they did not but <laughs> we we had to be ready just in case <laughs> we were prepared right, for yes, sure right we had gotten our beauty sleep and everything uh, yeah I you know UCLA also a team that yeah they swept Cal to end the year but before that they got run ruled by Utah like it hasn't been you know, the cleanest finish in the world for the Bruins. And this seems like a team that could be vulnerable. LMU also don't sleep on them. They beat Arizona state earlier this year. So they're not going to be a pushover should the Bruins run into them either. Right. And you know, they're, they're a team that plays UCL. I don't know if they played them this year, but they've played them on a pretty regular basis. So I don't think going to, to UCLA is going to affect LMU very much. All right, let's move on down to that pairing for Supers. The Durham Regional with 12-seed Duke, 2-seed Georgia. I'll let you speak on that in just a moment. Liberty, the 3-seed, a team that beat Duke a couple weeks ago. And 4-seed UMBC. Oh, boy. Yeah. Duke, congratulations. You're hosting. You did it. Yes. Here we go. Your city is going to allow you to actually host this year. People Uh, will be there to watch it. People are there to watch it, so... Uh, just like last year, Duke is the number one seed in a regional and Georgia is the number two, but this time Duke is actually hosting. You remember last year in Athens, Georgia got to host as the two seed in the regional because of the COVID restrictions in the state of North Carolina. And I think that that really helped lead Georgia to making that improbable run to the Women's College World Series that they For were sure. at home against a team like Duke. Now, now Duke gets to host, but they get a really tough regional. Duke has been you know, kind of the consensus, everybody look at them like they're really highly ranked, but we're still not sure if they're any good. Even at this point in the season, I think a lot of people still think the same way. It's going to be a tough draw for them, I think, even to get out of their own regional. Yeah, this is not going to be easy. And then let's say Duke does get out, and we'll look at the Supers matchups in just a moment. You've got the literally the definition of the new kids in Duke versus the most historically successful program in college softball history in UCLA. It's not going to be easy for Duke, but honestly, as we've talked about, it's not really that easy for anybody this year. Exactly. Let's go down to Seattle. Mm. We don't have to go. Thank goodness. Our friend Amanda Scarborough will be there. Good. It's a beautiful city. I never want to go there again. (laughs) Washington, your 13 seed. You know who else is going to Seattle? Mike White. Oh. Wonder if he's bringing any birds. Mm. Texas, your two seed. Weber State, the three. And Lehigh, the four seed. 
Mike White versus Heather Tarr. It's happening again. Ooh. Here we go. Wow. Combustible. <laughs> Just, I'm so excited for that game. Yes. And Texas, you know, I, I didn't think that they should host. They've got a chance to make a statement against a Washington team that lost two out of three to Utah and then lost two out of three at home against Arizona State. Gabby Plain is trying to make her last stand. But overall, this is a Huskies team that's reeling a bit. But like you said, I mean, the the best way to prove – if you think the committee made a mistake, the best way to prove it is to go out there and win. Yes. We, we've seen it in the past where teams haven't been able to get over it. I always go back to the, to the Minnesota coming to Tuscaloosa when they were the number one team in the polls. RPI-wise, not so much. They didn't get a, a seed. They came to Tuscaloosa, and uh, they never got over it. The Alabama was able to win two one nothing games uh, against the Gophers. You know, if, if you think you're Texas and you think you should have been hosting, go to, go to Washington and win. Yeah, prove it. Yeah. Prove that you should be there. If you're Michigan, you think you should be hosting, go to Orlando and win. Yeah. That's all you can do at this point. I think that's a great point. And Texas, you know, again, I mean, they they've, have got, the capability. they've got Haley Dolcini, Janae Jefferson's trying to keep her career going. Iacopo, like there is, there is talent there for sure. And a lot of talent like an Iacopo who has seen Washington before and seen Gabby playing before. So there is a little bit of familiarity with the roster there as well. Yeah. And we'll see if the strategy of this year that Heather Tarr went with of not pitching playing as much, maybe taking a couple extra L's because of it, but trying to keep her fresher as we go into the postseason, if that's going to pay off for her. Final regional on the left side, four seed Arkansas, buckle up, mm. two seed Oregon, mm. three seed Wichita State. Oh, this is what I wanted. I need Arkansas, Wichita State to play like I need air. Four seed Princeton. I'm going to, again, reference our friend uh, Ashley Taylor, who, again, compiled all these batting averages and ERAs. We talked about Tuscaloosa, second in the ERA, 15th of batting average. Fayetteville's the exact opposite. You take out Princeton, one, two, and three seeds, 16th in ERA, first in batting average. Oh, This is going to be fireworks, explosions, high-scoring games galore. I'm so excited. The ball is going to be flying out of Bogle. As it does. Like right. this is this is the dream. This this is exactly what I want to see. It's a great test for Arkansas. It's an opportunity for Wichita State to make a statement. And Oregon, again, another team that was 17th in the RPI, not even somewhat considered, I don't think, to host a regional because of their lack of quality wins. They can say something this weekend too. Yeah, so it is a really tough regional. I think as we looked at those, those graphs by RPI, the toughest regional in the entire, in the entire tournament. So, and that's, yeah. And that's again, taking out Princeton. So looking but, at the one, two and three but, seeds, yeah. but yeah. If you're Arkansas, you know, get whatever, you know, nervousness or whatever else you have, which you should have had that out by the time now you're, you won both the conference and the tournament, you know, you should be here. You've proven you're here. You have, you swept the sec awards. You, you have proven that, that you're here get any nerves you have out against Princeton and then get ready for a war against either Oregon or Wichita state. So let's zoom out as we like to do and mm-hmm. look at the potential supers matchups should chalk hold. Yes. Number one, Oklahoma, number 16, UCF again, Knights congrats on yes. hosting. Well done everyone, man. You're not hosting supers <laughs> nine seed Northwestern and eight seed Arizona state five seed UCLA and 12 seed Duke where you talked about that a bit and four-seed Arkansas, and 13-seed Washington. Mm. I'll ask two different things. 
Uh, one, every year I say, you know, if we weren't working, which regional do you want to travel to to watch every game? And then also, which potential super catches your eye the most? Regional, I would say the Fayetteville Regional. Easy. Yeah, the, like I said, the fireworks just ready to go on that one. Uh, as far as supers go, it's I, I think I would like to see UCLA and Duke just because I still want to know if is Duke for real. You know, how, how are they going to react going to, you know, Wrigley Field? It's historic. You've got all those All-Americans, national championships up on the up on the wall. Mm-hmm. Duke doesn't have that because they yeah. haven't had the chance to get there, but they can make a statement. There is no better way to say we are here than going to UCLA and winning a Super Regional. Oh, yeah. Well, we saw it with Virginia Tech last year. They didn't even win the Regional, but, right. but they were, you know, the we saw the Hokies announce themselves as going to be a national player with just how they played against UCLA. My regional choice, since you took Fayetteville, Tempe, like, yes, I don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then my potential super, the Arkansas-Washington situation. Ga- again, this is Gabby Plain's last stand in college. She has been right. through it all with the Huskies. Can she make one last statement? Or will Arkansas back it up? You know, again, they've won the SEC. They won the tournament. They expect to make it to Oklahoma City. Courtney Diefel said in media days months ago, we expect to end our year in Oklahoma City, but they'll have to get through one of the best pitchers in the world to do it. Okay, that's the left side of the bracket. Shall yes. we, you know, slide to the right? Crisscross? Uh-huh. No? Yes, yeah. you're not laughing. That's fine. When we come back, we will steal Just second. trying not to cough. I'm sorry. <laughs> we will steal second and look at the right side of the bracket, including who is matched up with Alabama? Who? Who? Oh. And... Who is going to pitch for Kentucky against a three seed that maybe is unsteady right now? All that coming up when we return here on the Out of Box Podcast. second great tom it's the bracket reaction show we break it down it's the best time of the year it's christmas presents opening everywhere confetti all that fun stuff can open worms everywhere (laughs) can open brackets everywhere yes and i'm out of black ink in my printer so i've had to go to ups down the street to print out a bunch of copies but it was worth it okay we're looking at the right side of the bracket on these printed brackets from ups if you want to sponsor us, that'd be great. What can Brown do for you or whatever? The number three overall seed top right is Virginia Tech. This is a team that has not looked as great as they have for most of the year, the last few weeks. And they've got a pretty daunting regional two seed Kentucky. I mean, that offense can be explosive. Miami of Ohio is the three seed. Courtney Veerstra, one of the best pitchers in the country. And I think she'd probably be on the Mount Rushmore of current mid-major pitchers oh yeah and then st francis uh pa your four seed but in particular that miami of ohio kentucky scenario for virginia tech the Hokies are gonna have to work congratulations first time ever hosting a regional and you're gonna have a chance to host a super but it's not gonna be easy to get there no because we and it's not just fiesta at miami they they have had one of the most explosive offenses in Mac history. Yeah, Carly Spade is hitting home runs every time I pull up Twitter. Right. So if they have been able to at least somewhat curb the errors that were the issue when uh, when they came to Tuscaloosa and played both Alabama and Texas, lost all four of those games, we, we could see then that like, they had potential, but they were just they, they were having too many missteps out on the field defensively. If they're able, if they've been able to curb that, they're going to be a very scary matchup for both Kentucky 
and Virginia Tech or St. St. Francis, whoever they end up playing in game number two. Yeah, and then in terms of Kentucky, not playing great softball right now, but with Aaron Koffel, Lauren Johnson, especially Kayla Kowalik, that offense can pop off at any time. The question remains, who's pitching? Who's pitching? Who is it? You got so many arms, and none of them are doing all that great. Schoonover looked solid against Florida at times, but – I mean, high volume, but not the highest quality as of right now. And if they can figure out a way, find somebody throwing well, I absolutely see a world where Kentucky can advance out of this regional. Yeah, 100%. But I would still think Virginia Tech does have the leg up. And like you said, the fact that, you know, they, they are hosting for the first time ever, still getting that respect of a three seed, despite kind of a lackluster ACC tournament in the last, you know, last couple of weeks, just kind of sliding by a little bit. I think that shows that they had the respect from that really high RPI, the really tough strength of schedule, played a, played a really good season. They are in a good spot, uh, but that's going to be a tough matchup with whoever wins from Miami, Ohio, and Kentucky. Yeah, I feel like I'm underselling Virginia Tech a little bit. We've talked about this at some points in the past couple of years. Keely Rochard would go on the list of players who it would be a shame if we did not see them at any point in their career pitching OKC. And they've got a real chance with Rochard and now Limley. If the illegal pitches are corralled a little bit and being at home, I would think that that wouldn't be as much of an issue. That's going to be helpful for the Hokies because that's one of the best one-two punches in the entire country. Yeah, you know, last year they kind of announced that they're going to be a national contender with how they played at UCLA uh, when we saw two really good pitchers duels in Tuscaloosa uh, when Alabama beat Virginia Tech a couple of times and then the way that they played in the ACC this year, uh, definitely worthy of getting that three seed, and, and they're going to be a tough out, not just in the regional, but moving forward. Let's move on down. 14 overall seed Florida hmm. hosting two seed Georgia Tech, three seed Wisconsin, one of those last four teams in, and Canisius, your four seed. The Gators played pretty well at the SEC tournament, just ran into the Arkansas buzzsaw. That, I think, probably has to be real positive for Tim Walton after – the just disastrous finish to the regular season with the loss to Florida Gulf coast. This feels like a Florida team that isn't being respected, which to me makes them as dangerous as possible because Tim Walton teams, when you're not thinking about them, that's when they pop back up. Yeah. They probably have that chip on the shoulder. Like some of those other teams we talked about a little while ago, like an Arizona state does Uh, that being said, I think they were properly seated at 14. Oh no, I agree. Uh, But you know, I think they kind of thought they were better than that. Elizabeth Hightower have one of her better pitching performances in the SEC tournament. Uh, the fact they're going to be able to do that again in Gainesville, uh, I think it's it's a regional that I think matches up pretty well for the Gators to move out. Yeah, Blake Nelliman with Georgia Tech. You know, if she gets hot, who knows? Kayla Conwent making her last NCAA tournament appearance with Wisconsin. You know, again, I wouldn't necessarily call it easy, but it's favorable, right. as you said. Yeah. Moving on down, we're going to skip Alabama. They're the six seed. The regional they're paired with is the 11 seed, Tennessee. Mm. This is not easy. Two seed Ohio State with Lexi Hanley, who's pitching really well this year. Oregon State, the three seed, one of those last four teams in again. But Mariah Mazon, one of the best two-way players in the country. We know what Frankie Hamoudi can do with her power. And Campbell with Georgiana Barefoot, Kayla Howell at FGCL. They've got a really deep pitching staff as well. Again, I'm not saying yet that Tennessee's not going to get out of here, but 
it's not a foregone conclusion that we're seeing Alabama, Tennessee and super regionals in a couple of weeks. Not the easiest regional for the Lady Vols. Uh, I think one thing that they can move forward positively is Ashley Rogers in the SEC tournament looked amazing. Lights out. Yeah. So if she's back to 100% uh, and can be relied on to pitch on short rest, extended time, it's going to be tough for someone to beat Tennessee twice. Yeah. Did Karen Weekly's gamble work? You know, she talked about it. They tried to manage Ashley Rogers so that this year she was ready for the NCAA tournament, for the SEC tournament. I think a big question is going to be the offense for Tennessee. You know, Alabama struggled in the SEC tournament. Tennessee scored one run in 20 innings in the SEC tournament. And that was a big storyline. Ashley Rogers should not have had to throw 13 innings against Mississippi State. I know because we were sitting there watching it (laughs) ready for our game. My good Lord, end. (laughs) Let it end. But again, these are offenses that might not you know, be super explosive in this Knoxville regional, but they can put up a run or two. And if a lady balls can't answer, who knows what will happen. And I don't think the committee did it on purpose, but you look at it, Alabama's two big transfer players come from Tennessee and Ohio state. And they're playing in the regional opposite Tuscaloosa. Of course they are. Yeah. How about that? Oh, and also don't forget Oregon state's already beaten Tennessee. This year was out in California. So all in all Knoxville, pretty intriguing. Mm Mm-hmm. So again, skipping Alabama, moving on further down. Now we're on the bottom right portion area. Number seven overall seed, Oklahoma State. Two seed, your Big Ten tournament champions, Nebraska. Three seed, North Texas out of Conference USA. And Fordham from the A-10. Oklahoma State, of course, comes in on the high of just beating Oklahoma. What an epic game that was. Oh, yeah. Which I think that kind of gives a little bit more of a you know, roadmap of, on how you're going to be able to beat the Sooners. Yeah. You're, one thing, you're going to have to play an almost perfect game. That's for one, one, one thing. Yeah, Kelly Maxwell, Morgan Day, incredible. But that being said, Nebraska, you know, this is a scrappy team that had no expectations coming into the year. Ronda Ravel has done a great job. They've got, you know, the Andrews, Billy Andrews. They've got Olivia Farrell in the circle. There are a couple of issues here and there. Like, it's, it's not an offense that I think is going to pop off in this regional, but Nebraska is going to be tricky. This is not easy for Oklahoma state either, just as kind of the theme of the entire bracket. Right. And, and if nothing else, it's a team that Oklahoma state probably hasn't played in, in any type of regularity. So it's, it's just, it's going to be something new for pretty much everybody involved. And if you're a team like Nebraska, even though you, you kind of, you know, were making noise in the big 10 uh, you're still going to be a team that it's going to has the opportunity to sneak up on some people if, uh, if they play well. Moving further down, Mm. good Lord. Mm. Number 10 overall seed Clemson in the Clemson Regional hosting two seed Auburn, three seed Louisiana. That's number 27 in the RPI, the three seed Louisiana Cajuns and the four seed UNC Wilmington. I don't know. I mean, this is a brutal regional top to bottom, especially with those one, two and three seeds. Auburn goes to Auburn with a lake in Clemson. That's how that works. <laughs> that is a tough regional. Louisiana been an up and down type season uh, when Alabama played them in the uh, Mambo. Mambo? Mambo, Mambo. Okay. Uh, you know, got a couple of victories in run rule fashion over the Cajuns. And uh, we were kind of looking at them and said, well, maybe they're not as good as we thought they were going to be. But then once they got into Sunbelt play, they really kind of turned it on and, and got that RPI really back up there. A little surprising that they ended up being a three seed here. Uh, Auburn as a two struggled down the stretch. Um, not sure if that offense that was really 
kicking in on all gears, especially with the power early on. That kind of kind of came to a halt a little bit as well. It's going to be whether or not Auburn has the pitching to be able to get themselves out of that regional. Yeah, Pintas had a great year. Can she back it up in this NCAA tournament? Because last year Auburn was two and out in the NCAA tournament. So yeah, I hated to see that. <laughs> so we'll see. This seems like a, uh, a upset potential. The, but, si- the sirens will be on the ready. Yes, I will have my hand hovering over the button. Ooh. Of course, we'll get into our picks a bit later. Two more regionals to cover on the right side of your bracket. The number 15 overall seed, Missouri. Actually, I thought they'd be a little bit higher, but I think this is a scenario where losing 20 games might be what really hurt them in the committee's eyes. Yeah. Two seed, Illinois. Three seed, Arizona. We'll talk mm. more about the Wildcats mm. later. Probably didn't have any business in this field. And then the four seed, Missouri State. I will say... This is one of the regionals where I looked at it and said, I feel fairly confident about Missouri being the strongest team there for sure. And I, I'm not sure I see a loss in there in the path to supers. And kind of ironic that this is the second year in a row that Missouri's gotten one of the easier regionals difference this year. Missouri was the eight seed last year. They were the 15 this year. Right. Uh, so that's not the way that should be done, but that's how it ended up being here this year. And if Arizona wants to you know, shoot us all the Mike White, then, hey, go on a run because sure. I don't think you should be in the field. Prove us wrong. Yep. And we've seen teams do that before. Teams that are on the bubble and, and kind of get in when you don't think they should, being able to make type of, that type of run. So uh, maybe Arizona can do that, but they really haven't shown that capability this year. Facing an Illinois team to start things off, which, you know, Illinois has gotten some big wins intersectionally this year as well. Yeah. You know, Sydney Sickles in the circle. That, that Illinois team – Again, you know, they can be tricky. They also got swept earlier this year by Missouri. So we'll see if they can get some revenge there. Right. One last regional on the right side. In Tallahassee, your number two overall seed, Florida State. I felt good about that one. Glad I got that one right. Two seed, Mississippi State. Three seed, South Florida, one of your last four teams in. And Howard, the four seed. So the Seminoles get the Georgina Corrick bomb. And they also get probably the scrappiest SEC team available as a two seed. Mississippi State, they do not go down without a fight. This is going to be extremely difficult for Florida State. I'm not sure they're going to lose a game, but they're going to have to really, really work to get out of here. Yeah, if they end up facing Corrick, that, that could be really, really tough. She's, she's got to think, all right, this is my chance to cap off my career. And what better way to do it than to go to Tallahassee and get a victory? Yeah, and Florida State, of course, on that great run in the ACC tournament, capped off by Merrill hitting a three-run homer to help beat Clemson. It was awesome. I was sitting on the couch. I was like, Mac, Mac's going to do something, and oh, she did. Yes, I was literally I, – I had to – having more time this weekend than I thought I was going to <laughs> here at home. Didn't know uh, what to do with my hands. Right, so I was like, all right, I got to mow the yard here before it rained. So as, like, finish mowing the yard – Walked in the door, turned it on, just as Merrill was coming to the plate. And I was like, okay, this is probably where it happens. Boom. So, yeah, what what a performance by her and, and by this entire Florida State team. Might be playing the best out of anybody, at least in the top few seeds in this tournament coming in. Yeah, I, this regional is so fascinating to me. And RPI-wise, it's one of the lower ones. But matchup-wise, it just feels like it's going to be a tough fight. Right. And I will say this, Florida State welcomes that. They love when it's hard and they have to find a way to be clutch. Yeah. They probably would rather run rule everybody, but they know how to win anyway. Yeah, and and, then it's helpful that they are clutch as well. So, yeah, so they they tend to play well in those situations. You know, you do have to face either 
one of the best home run hitters of all time in, in your second game or one of the best pitchers uh, of the last few years. So it's, it's going to be a, a tough matchup, whoever goes in for that game number two, assuming that Florida State beats Howard. So your super regionals, if chalk held, would be three seed Virginia Tech and 14 seed Florida, six seed Alabama, 11 seed Tennessee, seven seed Oklahoma State, 10 seed Clemson, and two seed Florida State, 15 seed Missouri. So same questions. If we weren't working, besides Tuscaloosa, which regional would you want to watch every game of and which super regional gets you the most excited? I would say regional-wise, probably that Clemson regional mm. uh, because of the, the question marks of what you got with Auburn and Louisiana. Super regional, Missouri, Florida State. Easy. Oh, yeah. Michaela Transu, the assistant at Missouri and coach of the year in the FGCL in 2020 with the Rivermocks, mm. potentially facing her MVP, Mac Leonard, from the 2020 FGCL champions, the Rivermocks. I'm sure that's going to be the main story. Oh, that's what I'm, I'm sending yeah. it to BMO. This is yeah. the storyline. Right. <laughs> no, that's a great answer. And it'll be very difficult for me not to just boo everyone in that region. <laughs> Tom, that's please. Super <laughs> My regional pick is Blacksburg. Just sign me up. I want to see a Miami of Ohio can do it. You know, last year we talked them up in Lexington. They couldn't really get through that whole hodgepodge of Northwestern, Kentucky, and Notre Dame. This year, they've got Kentucky again. They've got Virginia Tech. Can they finally make a statement in the NCAA tournament? I think that there's a really good chance of it. Um, So I think that Blacksburg Regional really sticks out. And then the super that most intrigues me, Florida Virginia Tech. How will Virginia Tech answer the pressures of potentially hosting supers for the first time ever against a Florida team that's got experience? And this is the first time they wouldn't be hosting supers in like 13 years. I was going to say, their experience is not being on the road in supers. Right. So. But they've got that postseason experience. And right. how will they answer the fact that they are, for the first time in a long time, truly doubted? It's it's going to be interesting. Right. So, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think there are some really intriguing matchups uh, possible in Super Regionals uh, if it goes chalk. And then even if it doesn't, there's some really intriguing matchups. Oh, are you mm. teasing? Mm. We've broken it down. I just think we should pick it now. Let's go. Okay. When we come back, we will round third and go through the entire bracket. We'll pick every regional, every potential super regional, and give you our, right now, eight teams for the Women's College World Series. I can't believe we're about to do that. Oh, wow. That's when we get back here on the Out of the Box Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. back to the out of the box podcast gray robertson tom canterbury we have broken down the bracket we've gone through each regional and now tom it is time to put our money where our mouth is and i will say in particular it is time for you to put your money where your mouth is because at the beginning of the year one of your land miner gold mines was you think that four teams 
in the World Series will not have hosted Super Regionals. Right. Before yes. we get to the individual picks, when this bracket came out, how did you feel about that prediction? I need to stop making predictions. Is what <laughs> I thought. No, I, I think it could still happen. There are several teams that are going on the road. I think will have a really good shot of winning their Super Regionals. Okay. Well, let's start top left, shall we? Okay. Okay. The Norman Regional. I'm just going to put Oklahoma. Yes, Oklahoma. Go out on that limb. Yep. Okay. Maybe pressed a little bit in one game. Maybe. Right. Like that's probably the worst case scenario. Exactly. Even if Jordy Ball is not available. Okay. Let's go down. 16 seed UCF with Michigan, South Dakota State, and Villanova. So I guess technically I went first. So you've got the first oh, pick here for the 16 overall seed. Time. Wonderful. Yeah. I think it's going to be a very, very tough regional for UCF. But I think with them hosting uh, Michigan coming down to the uh, heat of Orlando, uh, I think UCF's going to be able to come out of it. So I'm going to go with the Golden Knights. Okay. So sticking with chalk thus far, I'm going Michigan. As soon as I realized when we got to 15, I was like, oh my gosh, Michigan's going to UCF. I, I was ready to pick this upset. I think Alex Tarocco and Bobby in that one-two punch. I'm not sure that the Knights – with all of this being new to them, will be ready for A, that roster, and B, a coach like Carol Hutchins who can get a team ready for this moment because she's been there so many times. So I, I think Michigan's going to come out of it. And also partially, I kind of want them to because I think of the four teams here, they could give Oklahoma the best shot in sure. Supers. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm okay with it. Okay. Yeah, but I'm going to go with UCF. Number nine overall, as we continue down the left side, Northwestern with Notre Dame, McNeese, and Oakland. And I'm picking another upset. I'm taking the Fighting Irish. I just think that Notre Dame has something. Again, I'm putting in the belief. I think Gaskins, uh, they've got Abby Sweet, who's got all that speed on base. Northwestern, if they lose one of the Danielle Williams games, they're in trouble. They don't have the depth behind her in the circle. And Notre Dame's got two solid options and a couple others actually on that staff, but it all starts with Holloway and Tid. I, I just think that this is the chance for the Irish and I think they're going to cash in. Congratulations, Notre Dame. I've got you going to supers now actually do it this year. Right. If Northwestern is playing almost any other two seed, I would pick that other two seed, but Notre Dame's never done it. <laughs> so I'm going to go North Northwestern. Okay. So you're sticking with history. I'm predicting that history <clears throat> yes. will be made. Yes. Someone's going to be right. Yeah. Probably. Well, thank you. Hopefully. <laughs> McNeese, unless, unless Oakland comes through. <laughs> the Golden Grizzlies. Here they come. Cowgirls on the way. Eight seed Arizona State in Tempe, the Tempe Regional, with LSU, San Diego State, and Fullerton. Tom, you're getting all the hard ones. Man. And again, as, as I tweeted after it happened, any team that Tom Canterbury has ever rooted for is getting the, the shaft from the committee. Is basically <laughs> what's happened. Arizona State, I was born right outside of Phoenix. Arizona State was my first team when I was but a young lad. Um, we, we, boy. Yes. Saw Barry Bonds play college ba baseball out of, in Tempe. Uh, but that being said, if you're going to have a chip on your shoulder, go out there and prove it. Show that show that you should be. That's what Alabama did when they were in the eighth seed. I think Arizona State is going to be able to do that as well. It's a tough regional. They're going to probably have to play uh, LSU. But like I said, LSU has just not been consistent enough this year for me to stick with them. So I'm going to go with the Sun Devils. I am absolutely with you. It would be different if Arizona State dropped to the eight because they didn't end well. But we talked about that last stretch earlier. Two out of three against UCLA, two out of three at Washington. Like that is the top tier of the Pac-12. You had to win those and they did. They are playing well. Arizona State 
is one of the teams that I did not want to see on Alabama side of the bracket. I'm just in all honesty. Yeah. And I think they're going to get through this. It will be difficult. Watch San Diego state. They're going to be a tough out if Arizona state has to play them, but I do have the sun devils moving on in probably the full extent of the regional. I think we're definitely getting an if game yeah. in Tempe. Number five seed UCLA with Ole Miss, LMU and Grand Canyon. Again, this is one of those regionals where I feel like something's going to happen, but I'm not bold enough to pick it. I'm going to take UCLA, but I think that the Anna Borgen lefty matchup against that UCLA lineup that has a ton of lefties, it's going to be tricky, but that feels like the kind of game UCLA would win two nothing on one hit or something like that. I still think the Bruins get out of LA. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's going to be even maybe one of those things where Ole Miss maybe wins a game, but UCLA right. wins if necessary, but I agree. I think the Bruins come out. Right below that, the number 12 overall seed Duke with Georgia, Liberty, and UMBC. Tom? I really want to pick it, Gray. Do it. Do it, you hypocrite. Because during the show, I looked at Tom and said, huh, that could be tricky. And you said, no. Yeah. Well, are you changing your mind? No, Duke's going to win. Okay. I, I wish I wish Georgia, if Georgia had a little bit more consistent pitching, I, I would pick them. Because I think they have the offense to be able to do it. I just, I just don't think they're going to have, have the, the pitching to be able to keep Duke down. I've got Duke as well, and mm. I'm following along with what your philosophy actually has been the last few years. If I don't know, I'm going with the seed team. Yeah. And I, just, I think that Duke has actually the power to at least hang with Georgia if they go on one of their power spurts. And the Georgia pitching staff is a real question mark. Kerpix is struggling. She needs the rest. We'll see if she can come out and look better. And Liberty has been hot and cold yes they beat duke but they've also lost a lot of games against good teams i still think duke gets out of it all right moving on down to seattle 13 seed washington with texas weber state and lehigh a lot of buzz for texas i'm seeing a lot of people saying that this feels like a chance for the longhorns to get through i don't think so you're not winning in seattle and you're not winning in gabby plains potentially last home games of her collegiate career washington gets out of this one it might go to an if but i'm not sure it will no i think washington wins and probably wins it pretty easily texas has had some spurts this year you know, getting the win over Oklahoma. They played well in a few weeks in a row, but they've had some really down times as well. I just, I, I don't see them being able to go to Washington, like you said, and be able to win in Seattle. Yeah. Last regional on the left side, four seed Arkansas with two seed Oregon, Wichita State is there, and Princeton, the Tigers, then Brainiacs going to Fayetteville to eat on some ham and trees. Tom, you are first. Are you going to make it? Are you going to make the bold declaration? Not in the regional. I'm okay. going to say, Arkansas is going to get through it. It's going to be really tough. I think Wichita State. Uh, I think Wichita State beats Oregon and gives Arkansas everything that they want. Uh, but I think the Razorbacks are going to be able to get through. I've got the same thing. This is the best regional in terms of I think made for TV ness if right. that's a thing i don't yeah. know if there's a word out there maybe there is but i want to watch every single game of this fayetteville regional i think arkansas gets out of it but i'm not 100 sure which again makes it fun okay so that's the left side we'll pick the super regionals matchups we've got in just a bit let's go to the right starting at the top with blacksburg 3c virginia tech with kentucky miami of ohio and saint francis I am a first, and now I get one of the hard ones. Mm. 
I've got a bold prediction with Virginia Tech, but I'm not going to make it here. I think they get out of it, but this is another one where they're going to be really, really tested. And I think it's going to happen against multiple teams. I see a world where they've got to beat both Miami of Ohio and Kentucky at some point to get through. I, I like the Hokies. I think they're going to do it. I think it would be a real shame if Rashard's college career ended in regionals, but this is going to go the full seven, I think. The gears are moving. I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to make myself think it, but I, I, I think Virginia Tech's going to get out of it. I'll say Virginia Tech, but I'm, I'm with you. I think it's going to go as much as it possibly can, as many possible games as you have. That's the way they're going to play, uh, but I think Virginia Tech's going to be able to squeak, squeak through. Let's go to Gainesville, 14 seed Florida with Georgia Tech, Wisconsin, and Canisius. Georgia Tech is probably the biggest threat here. Uh, Wisconsin has had flashes of brilliance this year but they have been literally flashes and I just, I don't see Florida ending their season in regionals. It has probably been, if you asked Tim Walton, a pretty disappointing season. I think they want to end on the right note. I've got the Gators. Oh, but I'm wasn't supposed to go first. Well, I, so. I agree with you though. So <laughs> I, I, I'm going to say Florida as well, because the way they were, they played in the sec tournament, uh, I think was, you know, it kind of, kind of showed that they do have, we knew they had the talent and they're able, they were kind of able to put it together there in the SEC tournament. Going to be able to at least extend that over into regional play. Okay. So you're picking Florida. Now I will officially pick Florida. Okay. There we go. Just yes. Gray forgetting his lines. Okay. Moving on to Knoxville. I am first here. I wish I wasn't. Tennessee, the 11 overall seed with Ohio State, Oregon State, and Campbell. This is another scenario where I don't feel good about it, but I think I'm just going to go with the seeded team and that's Tennessee. But Lexi Hanley, Mariah Mazon, Tennessee offensively has got to be sharp because if they mess around, there are a couple teams that can beat them in this regional. And I'm going to pick my first unseeded team, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Wow. I guess that is your first. I hadn't thought of that. Okay. Yes. Why? Like you said, I think Tennessee's offense has, they've hit the lull, but I don't see the talent, like comparing them to Alabama, who has kind of hit a similar low offensively i think alabama has more offensive talent to pull themselves out of it plus i don't think they're going to face the pitching in the regional that tennessee is going to in general so i'm going to go with ohio state coming through we're not going to see ali shipman's former team we're going to see ashley prangy's former wow former team. that would be an interesting change of pace yes it would okay well let's see who we both have coming out of tuscaloosa again six seed alabama stanford murray state and chattanooga you're first. I will say this, and then you can pick. It is, by RPI, one of the easier regionals, but Stanford is not a bad softball team. That pitching staff is legit, and if Alabama makes any mistakes, especially if the offense still has those struggles, there is absolutely a chance that the tide does not come out of this regional. That being said, Tom, do you pick it? No, I think Alabama's going to come Okay, there we go. Uh, so do I. Right. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think it's going to be very important – in the Chattanooga game, if Alex Salter gets to start there for her to go complete game. For sure. And just go ahead and, and knock that out quickly. In fact, best case scenario is a complete game in five. Right. That's what the offense needs, and it's what the pitching staff needs. And then you get a 100% fresh Montana Fouts against Stanford there in game number in the in the winner's bracket game of the regional, uh, assuming Stanford beats Murray State. Uh, I think that's going to be one of the early tells on how the region's going to go. But that being said, even if that doesn't happen, I think Alabama still is in a good position to win. Montana Fouts can go 
every game at the regional if she has to. Yeah. Uh, but you don't want to have that happen. And of course, the wild card. You know, a lot of people have been asking us, is Lexi Kilfoyle out for the year? And my honest answer is I don't know. I right. I cannot answer that question because I am not sure. There is a chance she could show up on Friday and pitch against Chattanooga. There's a chance we won't see her the entire time in regionals. I honest to goodness don't know. But if she shows up, that is an obvious boost for the Crimson Tide. Yes, and I would love to see her. That'd be great. Yes. Especially if she's bringing desserts from her mother. Mm-hmm. That would be even better. <laughs> that, that could happen one way or the other. <laughs> That's Honestly, Lexi, do what you want. Just bring <laughs> back the brownies. Yes, it's all we want. <laughs> Continuing on the right side, seven overall seed Oklahoma State with Nebraska, North Texas, and Fordham. Again, this one feels like something squirrely could happen, but I'm not bold enough to pick it. I totally see a world where Nebraska maybe even steals two games from Oklahoma State. I think that they have an absolute chance to win one, but I think the Cowgirls get out of it and host a Stillwater Super Regional. I agree. I think Nebraska is going to give Oklahoma State everything they could possibly want, maybe even force it if necessary game, but I'm going to go with the Cowgirls winning. Ten overall seed Clemson with Auburn, Louisiana, and UNC Wilmington. Seed upset number two, the Raging Cajuns. Oh, man, we're falling into our same Oh, traps. yeah, I know, I know. Rewind. In 2019, we both picked Louisiana to come out of Oxford, and they did not. They did not. Rewind. Mm. In 2021, we both picked Louisiana to come out of LSU, they and they did, not. they did not. This year, we're both picking Louisiana oh, to no. come out of Clemson. Don't do it. I'm doing it. Oh, we apologize offenders. to the Raging Cajuns for jinxing you once again. That offense is just doing a lot of good things, but they have had issues just not being able to score against highly ranked teams. Like not just struggling to hit, like not being able to score at all. Right. And learn to hit. We'll see. I think we'll get a pretty good gauge on if our pick will be right based on how they do against Matty Pinto. Yeah. So we both got Louisiana. Yeah, Lord. Moving on down. The number 15 seed Missouri with Illinois, Arizona, and Missouri State. As I mentioned earlier, in my opinion, this feels pretty cut and dry. I've got the Tigers coming through. Yeah, Missouri just on a roll right now. They kind of they ran into that Arkansas buzzsaw, like you said, in the championship game of the SEC tournament. But outside of that, not only that their offense really isn't just hitting on all cylinders, but their pitching has been outstanding. When people complain about Alabama's offense, look at the fact that they had to play Missouri four times in a row against the pitching staff that's been as pitching as well as they have all year. So take a little bit of that into consideration, but Missouri just on a roll and, and I think they keep it going. Yeah. So we both have Missouri moving on in the final regional Tallahassee, Florida state, Mississippi state, South Florida, and Howard. Florida state is going to have to work really hard to do it, but I think Florida state does it. I'm exactly with you. I don't even know if it goes to a full seven games, but I know that, if it doesn't, the three Florida State will have had to play those last two, most likely. Howard, a good team, great story. I'm not sure they'll put up much of a fight. But the potential of playing South Florida or Mississippi State, it's going to be real hard for the Knowles. And they have to be 100% ready and mentally focused because if there's even a, one slight lapse, they could lose. Right. All right, you ready to pick supers? Yeah, let me see if I can get four, uh, four upsets here <laughs> before I pick here. <laughs> Okay, well, while you think about it, let's mm. go top left because sure. I, I think we're both going to be on the same page. Number one overall seed, Oklahoma versus Michigan for me. For you, it's Oklahoma versus 16 overall seed, UCF. You go first this time no. since I let off for regionals. You lead supers. 
What idiot would pick Oklahoma to lose in Super Regionals? <laughs> That's never happened. <laughs> what buffoon? What what utter moron? Yeah, I'm gonna go Oklahoma to, to advance. Again, if, if you weren't listening last year, I picked Washington as the 16 seed to not quite famously. Yes, yes, it did not happen. Did not pan out. No. Okay. Gabby Plain said no, thank you. <laughs> I've got Oklahoma getting past Michigan again. I think Michigan has a chance to steal a game if the pitching can limit OU and. A, you know, again, with Jordan, Jordy Ball out, potentially, that whole mysterious cloud swirling, there could be some intrigue in that super. But I still think that the Sooners are going to prove that they're one of the best teams maybe we've ever seen in the sport with a pretty dominant run once again to Oklahoma City. Yeah. So we both got OU as one of our final eight. Next up, the Tempe Super Regional for both of us. I've got number eight overall seed Arizona State against Notre Dame. You have the Sun Devils versus the Wildcats of Northwestern. I've got Arizona State. I think Notre Dame's magic would run out. And a lot of this is because I really, really want to see Oklahoma, Arizona State on night one of the World Series. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the one thing with the missed seed of Arizona State. It does set up a heck of a matchup for Oklahoma in game number one in OKC should everything hold. And I think it will. No matter if it was Northwestern, Notre Dame, whoever comes out of the regional, I think Arizona State's got them. Yep. Continuing to move down, I've got UCLA versus Duke, as do you, the five versus 12. I, this feels like a sweep for UCLA. First game really close, second game, probably like a five nothing victory for the Bruins. I've got UCLA going back to OKC. I'm not sure they're one of the top eight teams in the country right now, just based on what I've seen from them lately. But I think that this super regional draw is exactly what Kelly I probably wants for that team. As I hold my pencil, a la Lee Corso. Not so fast, my friend. No! Blue Devils. Tom! We're going a couple of teams of Devils going through. Duke pulls the upset, goes to Westwood, takes them down. Do you realize how many times on this podcast you have stood by my side and yes. said yes yeah duke's not ready no they're not but ucla not with not kind of a shell of themselves as they come okay. in here I, I feel this is one of the four all right okay wow so you're sticking with four okay yes. <laughs> gee I, this next one might be in consideration then last one on the left side we both have arkansas hosting washington gabby plains last stand versus an arkansas team that has said Again, Courtney Daffle said it on this show. We want to end our year in OKC. They've got the team to do it. And Tom, I am going to pick Arkansas to get to OKC. I think that this is the year. I really think that what Shanice Dels has added with her drop compared to Mary Half's rise and Dels also having that upspin, it makes that pitching staff more versatile than what it was with Half and Storms. This offense can hit for average now, not just for power. And Washington... This is a team that has been up and down. And right now they're kind of in that down portion after struggling to end the regular season. I just think that Arkansas with Bogle popping like it will be is going to be too darn tough. I've got the Hogs going to OKC. Gray, a lot of teams say they want to finish the year in Oklahoma City. It's true. It's the goal of most everyone, especially in the Power Five conferences. Arkansas has had a great year. They won the conference. They won the tournament playing as well as anybody in the country have the offensive player of the year. They have the pitcher of the year. They have the coach of the year. Mm -hmm. They don't have Gabby playing. You did the same thing last year. I did. 
And I know one thing, the definition of insanity is doing the <laughs> same thing, expecting a different result. Call me crazy. I got Washington. Whipping out the definition of insanity. I love it. Against myself. Also, that sets up the ever-popular Duke-Washington World Series game. Just what everybody wanted. That might make Oklahoma-Arizona State be a day game. Right. <laughs> Just by ratings necessity. Oh, goodness. Interesting. Well, well, I mean, I can see it. Like, it's yeah. not inconceivable. I feel like of all of the possible non-SEC Supers matchups that I drew up for Arkansas, Washington was the one where I said, I can – see them losing that right and this and matchup feels like it'll go three and washington's beat them that's true yeah swept them in mexico right way way back younger way young time ago <laughs> we're right. sitting at a bar yeah. in tucson tracking Whoa. things yes on yeah. whatever you know what i mean right okay so we've got our world series set we'll recap in a moment let's go to the right side virginia tech and florida number three overall seed versus the number 14 overall seed we both have the same super keith richard a heck of a year Wow. Okay. Virginia Tech has had a heck of a year, but like kind of struggling here toward the stre- down stretch. Florida playing as well as they have all year at the end of the season. Uh, even after losing the Florida Gulf Coast, it seemed like that was kind of the, gave them a kick in the butt and they, they, they started really moving. It was the catalyst to get things rolling, playing in the SEC tournament in Gainesville, got themselves on a roll. Florida goes through. Same thing. Whoa. Yeah, th- this was what I was... I'm actually kind of playing the odds here. My real bold prediction is that I just don't think Virginia Tech makes it to OKC. I'm just not sure where the loss came, comes from. So I'm playing the odds. I'm playing the odds that it will be Florida that will get there. And I'm not even necessarily 100% sure that it will be Virginia Tech that they beat in supers to get there. But this is a Florida team that just looked like they had a renewed energy in the SEC yeah. tournament. They were doing their thing. Yes, they were. And, you know, with Falby, Falby looked much better in the SEC tournament than she had when we'd watched her in regular season conference games. And getting Hannah Adams back in the SEC yes. tournament was massive. Huge. Delbry, I thought, pitched incredible against Arkansas. Hightower looked as good as she's looked in a while. I, I just think this is a Florida team that I don't even want to say peaking because I think they still have more in them, but they're playing cohesively at the right time. And that just makes them dangerous against a Virginia Tech team that's going to feel all new pressures. Yeah. There's no pressure on Florida at no. all. Mm-mm. So I, I see the Gators getting to OKC. Okay, next up, the Tuscaloosa Super Regional. I've got Alabama, Tennessee. You have Alabama versus Ohio State. Oh, boy. I, I just realized that this means if we both pick Alabama, it would be Alabama and Florida in the first day of the Women's College World Series. Heck, yeah, I would. That's why that's your night game. Yeah, 100%. Bing, bang, bong. Okay, Man, this uh, look, I know we're the Alabama radio guys and whatnot. I'm pretty sure this would go three. I just I don't I don't know if I can pick Tennessee to do it. And I that hurts me because like all year I've been saying Ashley Rogers is a good enough pitcher that she deserves to end her season in OKC. She's got one more year, she's good enough to be there. I feel like actually Tennessee is managing her well enough to where they've got the scenario right. I just think this is like one of the three matchups that Tennessee couldn't afford for that possibility to happen. So while I feel like I feel bad because I'm going against what I've been saying all year, but I just think this Alabama team is not going to be denied. I don't know what's going to happen when we get to OKC, but I don't think Montana is going to let Alabama lose before that. So I'm going to pick the Crimson Tide. I think Tennessee is going to put up a heck of a fight and Fouts versus Rogers. Yes, please. Give me the popcorn now. Also, 
again, if that's a matchup, Madison Shipman, welcome back to Tuscaloosa. You will be probably doing those games. I've got Alabama going to OKC. I don't feel great about it in terms of, you know, knowing 100% how it'll break down, but I just think the Montana factor will be enough to carry the Crimson Tide, whether the offensive problems are fixed or not. Tana's not going to let this team end their season prior to getting to the World Series. And uh, in my super regional matchup with Ohio State, I just think Alabama's better. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's going to be one of those things where Ohio State, you know, they kind of reached their ceiling and what they're able to do with pulling the upset over Tennessee. Uh, coming to Tuscaloosa, way too much of a mask for the for the Buckeyes, so I'll go with Alabama. I think that's a great scenario for Alabama. I will not toil nearly as much yes. if it's Alabama-Ohio State versus what I just looked like thinking about Alabama-Tennessee. Right. I, I looked like I was having an aneurysm. <laughs> Let's keep moving. We both have a Stillwater Super Regional with Oklahoma State hosting them Cajuns from Lafayette, Louisiana, rolling in with Kendra Lamb and Sam Landry and all the gumbo. Stormy Kotzelnik, Cornbread, Ari Quinones, Melissa Mayu, various other Louisiana treats, maybe some crackling and whatnot, boudin, so much going on, Tom. Po- possibly a drive through daiquiri. Maybe, maybe <laughs> you can pick them up and take them to Stillwater with you. This is really my best chance to get my fourth team, but I'm not going to be able to pick it. Uh, I think Oklahoma State, you know, they showed me a lot with how they were able to beat Oklahoma mm-hmm. in the championship game. Yes, this is coming off of just a week earlier being swept in in, in Bedlam. But, you know, sometimes, again, as I talked about with the loss to Florida Gulf Coast for Florida, maybe that's kind of a more of a catalyst to show, all right, we, we can we can do this. We know we can. And I think it's a good matchup for Oklahoma State. You know, Louisiana has a lot of good players. We'll see how they're able to handle a team like Oklahoma State on the road. I think the Cowgirls have too much. Yeah, Oklahoma State's going to get through. Louisiana has played well. I would have to go back and look. I'm not sure how many just straight-up super talented lefties they faced. Kelly Maxwell is going to be always that really tough matchup for any offense. I just think Oklahoma State's got too much. So I've got the Cowgirls moving through to Oklahoma City again, which sets up our final Super Regional. We both have Missouri versus Florida State in Tallahassee. I'm up first. I think Florida State gets through, but again, this feels like a hardcore fight. Just like knockdown, drag out, full three games of a super regional. Maybe actual punches thrown. <laughs> I mean, like who knows? These are two teams that are scrappy, but Florida State's got that clutch factor. They find ways to win when the lights are brightest. I think the Seminoles get through, but Missouri gives them a heck of a fight. And I think also part of it, Missouri wants to atone for last year. They missed a chance. I mean, you had probably the easiest regional, and then you had an unseeded team who was the three seed in the Knoxville regional and supers, and you couldn't get through. Yeah. Like they're trying to respond with a lot of those players back, but I still see Florida State making it. It's going to be entertaining, though. I can 100% guarantee that. If Missouri was matched up with almost anyone else, I would be very, very tempted to pick Missouri. Uh, But I think Florida State. Uh, they have that clutch factor and it's going to be a dog fight like you said but i'm going to say florida state as well let's look at our world series picks i have oklahoma arizona state ucla arkansas florida alabama oklahoma state and florida state tom i have oklahoma arizona state duke washington (laughs) 
Florida, Alabama, Oklahoma State, Florida State. I'm not laughing at the picks. I'm laughing at the notion of a Duke-Washington right. oh, World 100%, Series 100%, game. Right, yes, correct. Like five years ago, literally, you could not imagine that. No, no. And here we are. I don't love the fact that I've only got one non-top eight at the World Series, which doesn't feel right in a year that's been as wild as this one. Right. You tried to get as close to your four as you could. But I, could I could only get three. It, it's a combination of there being a little bit more separation than I thought there was going to be when we talked about this early on when I made that pick. And then just the way that the draws came through. Yeah. There are roads to where almost any of these seeded teams could get through, but it depends on the matchups and who they, they come through. Cause it's not always, I don't think that these are necessarily the eight best teams. I just think it's kind of how the matchup draws. I see a lot of regionals where I'm just not bold enough to make the pick, but I can see some of these seeded teams dropping out and that makes this maybe the most fun bracket we've ever seen. Right. We've both got it ending up decently chalky, but a lot could happen. And historically, when you look at it, as great as the brackets usually are, it ends up being pretty chalky. Yeah. You know, Yours is actually a wild version of right. what we typically see exactly. with so, three non-top eights. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's something that as we see more and more parity in, in the sport – it's going to, I think it's going to eventually evolve to where we have a little bit more upsets, a few more true Cinderella's coming through uh, to where like what James Madison did last year, not being such the outlier, but it is the outlier. Yeah. Uh, that's one, you know, we're going to talk, you know, we're going to do a mailbag. And I know one of the questions is about, is there a Cinderella team like James Madison this year? It's not like every year there's a James Madison. That's, that was, it was very, very rare. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll see if somebody like that comes through. Uh, I, the question, I think it, you're going to find out a lot of stuff in the first day or two, if there is say a number two or three seed that loses early that to where some of these matchups we're thinking of may never even happen. Right. A lot of these two, three matchups are some of the most exciting potential games of the weekend. Right. So that's something to watch out for Tom. I don't feel great about the picks, but you know what? We'll get our second chance next week. Right. Okay. So we're not picking our actual all the way through. Right. Thank you. Okay, that's good. that's coming up later on down the road. Good to know. Okay, Tommy, right ahead home. Yes. Let's do it. When we come back, we got mailbag off the wall and Tom's hungry. We will power through the rest of this bracket reaction episode here on the Out of the Box podcast. Welcome back. We are heading home. Ray Robertson, Tom Canterbury here on the Out of the Box podcast. My favorite episode to record each year because yeah. it's the one where we just get to cook. We are Russell Wilson getting our chance to cook. Let yeah. Russ cook. That's all we do. That's it. We would recap, but honestly, we just talked about the bracket. So now it's time yes. to head home. We, we, we talked the NCAA tournament. Yes. I was wondering. Yes. Mailbag time. We had a lot of people submit some things and a couple folks, I, I couldn't get everybody in because I really don't want this to be a 50 minute final segment, but thank you to everybody. And we'll do another one later on in the year before the end of this season four string of podcasts. And hopefully we'll get to as many people as possible. Okay. So Tom, again, these are mailbag questions sent in from fans of softball, not necessarily of us starting off with at Addy Lofton, the question you alluded to, which teams do you think has the best shot at being the next quote unquote Cinderella of the postseason, AKA last year's JMU. So I kind of took that in a couple directions and I came up with an unseated team and a mid-major team that could kind of make the same run. My unseated team is Louisiana. 
I think that they can make a run to the World Series. The Oklahoma State matchup is not ideal, but it's possible. And my unseeded team, I think I'm going to go with LSU just because I honest to goodness don't know what the heck kind of team they're going to be every morning when they wake up. Yeah, They could decide to be a World Series unseeded Cinderella. But I think more along the lines of JMU, Louisiana seems like the best candidate. I think one that we've talked about a little bit, and it depends on how they are able, able to play at Bogle Park, is going to be Wichita State. Mm. Uh, they have one of the best players in the entire country offensively. Addison Barnard, they have an overall offense that can maybe go punch for punch with Arkansas. If, if they're able to get Arkansas in game one and then force that if necessary game, anything can happen. So Washington there, or excuse me, Wichita State there. And on the other side, again, against a team like Florida State, going to be very, very tough, but Georgina Cork mm. leading South Florida. That's a great pick. Can they get the offense to help her out? In all these games, Cork's been like nails until the seventh, right. and she gives up the walk-off or something, but the South Florida's had their chances to score. Can they finally get the runs? Right. Like two. If you get two, just you're her, probably winning. Give her two or three and just see, it, see what happens. See what happens. Give it a shot. Also, watch out for Miami, Ohio as we talked about. Oh, yes. I love that. At Ramsey, a underscore list. You got Ooh. an A-lister wow, asking questions. He's got three. Uh, we'll start with number one. What is the most intriguing regional and potential super regional? We've talked a lot about the potential super regionals. Uh, I asked on each side, Tom. So now I'll ask the whole bracket, which regional would you want to skip work on and travel to and sit there in the stadium and watch every single game? I'm heading to Bogle, like, you, like we talked about. Yeah. I'm with you. Vogel, I mean, come on. Yeah. Just load them up. Can we, if you shoot fireworks off at every home run, the entire city of Fayetteville will be broke by game three. We are out out of fireworks. Call Davis Diamond, send some over. Another question, is Missouri a legit dark horse this year after getting upset as the favorite in Supers last year? I alluded to that earlier. I think that's going to be another motivating factor. Larissa Anderson is able to really get that under dog card played well right that's, that's something that missouri team really responds to i think absolutely that's going to be something that adds a little extra umph to the tigers as they try and make a run to okc because they know they missed their chance last sure. year they had a great shot how many potential upsets are there in this year's field a ton yeah you know outside of maybe oklahoma there's nobody that is like they're going to just be able to run through there easy Okay, at OK Gwyn, who would you say were the quote-unquote losers of the 64 or who got the toughest draw? I don't know if there's per se like a – I mean, I think Arizona State's probably the biggest loser of the entire thing. Not only did they get quote-unquote hosed by the seeding, they got the toughest regional. But all in all, I, I didn't see any particular conferences that got picked on. Perhaps you could say mid-major should have been looked at a little more for at-large bids, but – a lot of them didn't have great profiles. Overall, I still think the committee did a pretty nice job. The one loser that sticks out is Arizona State. Yeah, not only Arizona State getting a tough regional as the eight seed, but also knocking them down to where they would have to face Oklahoma on day one in Oklahoma City if they were able to make it that far. Makes it very tough. I would say Tennessee maybe having that, you know, having a tough regional of Oregon State and Ohio State both coming in there. A little bit tough for the 11 overall seed. At Dom Dell 10, what do you think is going to be the difference maker if it comes down to Washington and Texas? Of course, I was talking about the Seattle regional. I think the difference will be the fact that it's in Seattle. Honestly, at the end of the day, what have I said for four years? If Washington hosts a regional, they're coming out of it. If Washington hosts a super, they're coming out of it. 
And I still stand by that. Even though Washington's not playing well right now, you could say the same about Texas. And I just don't think Gabby playing is ending her career in regionals. The difference for me, Gabby playing plus Texas inconsistency. Yeah. Moving on, Lacey, who are you surprised to not see in the NCAA tournament this year? I'll tell you what, not South Carolina. No. I would probably say Western Kentucky, you know, getting that Alabama win late. I think what really hurt the Hilltoppers was not winning Conference USA. Obviously, you know, not winning the tournament, but also not winning the regular season. Louisiana Tech took that league. They just, they missed a couple chances and they had a couple bad losses that really hurt them. But again, you know, I don't even know who we put in place of Arizona. My, my main gripe is I don't think Arizona belonged in the field. And I guess it would probably be either a Utah or Western Kentucky. You should have gone in. I was going to say Utah just because of how well they play down the stretch. Yeah. You run rule UCLA. You would hope that that. Usually that's enough. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how we feel about that. Uh, SEC teams as two seeds, most likely to upset. That's from Kim. I think it goes back to LSU. Yeah. Not because I think they're the most likely, but because I think that they're the most volatile of all the two seeds. I, I think if I were picking the best percentage chance, I'd probably go Kentucky. And I don't think you, you sleep on Ole Miss either. Uh, like you said, that the, just because of the matchup they're able to present against UCLA, it's, it's tough for me to really think any of these two seeds are going to be. I don't trust any of them. No. It's one of the reasons why they're two seeds. And That's not, right. Not, because <laughs> – you know, we see how many SEC teams are hosting. There's a reason why these teams are not hosting. Because if, if you have a, a season like, say, Florida did, where it didn't reach your potential, but you're your top 16 seed. We'll see. I'm excited to watch all those games. You know who we didn't say? Auburn. Yeah. I Well, we talked about it, right? The power not being sustainable when that's your offensive focal point. Like, the improved power numbers are great. That's really good. But we're kind of seeing how when they don't get that home run, it's hard for them to generate any offense. Right. And that being said, would I be shocked if they came out of Clemson? I don't think shocked would be the right word. No, I'd be surprised, but I wouldn't be stunned. Okay. Brooke, who's pitching? Who's pitching? She typed it out. Good. Who's pitching when Kentucky faces Virginia Tech? I don't know. Pull out a hat. Does Rachel Lawson know? I, I would probably want to use Spangler because she's a lefty, and I'd have to look through. It's all matchup based. I don't know how many lefties Virginia Tech has faced. But I would honestly, let's be real. If I'm Rachel Lawson, I'm cycling as much as possible. Give yourself the best chance to win and use the fact that you've got seven pitchers in the bullpen. Right, because like we said, it's volume over quality right now. Yeah. Give as many different different looks as you can against a team like Virginia Tech. What is the probability of LSU winning their regional? I don't know. I, I think it's probably 25%. But if they decide to be good at LSU, probably up to 35%. Depends on how well Arizona State's playing. That's true. Does Arizona State feel a little bit of pressure as right. well? Because remember, in the Alabama eight-year against, coincidentally, Arizona State, Arizona State right. those two games were not blowouts. No. They were 7-4 to four and 9-8. to eight. I, I hated both those games. They were. I was not a fan of any of that. Hardcore dramatics, Your Honor. Uh, other, other than the win, I didn't like any of it. <laughs> so maybe, but I don't know. And finally, how did Arizona make it in over Western Kentucky? I think it was name. Yeah. I think if you flip the names and put the profiles there, Arizona makes it in either way. Similar to what I said with UCLA over Arizona State. One's Arizona, one's Western yeah. Kentucky. I, I really think that's the only reason. They weren't substantially better than Western Kentucky, 
there probably been years where committees have been trying to get more mid-major type teams in. Yeah, but this is not this is not one of those years. Yeah, at Western Kentucky, I mean, they have that great moment beating Alabama on their home field. That'll be the highlight of the year, and that's a, an amazing accomplishment. That was an awesome atmosphere. I personally think it would have been really cool for them to be in the field, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, it didn't happen. And that's a real it's a it's a shame, honestly. It may not have happened had Big Red come and seen us like he was supposed to. We could have spoken to the committee. Sure, yeah, that's. Because we have that poll. Yeah, they listen to us. Totally. Carol, would you agree that the NCAA hasn't done Oregon any favors the past two years in the opening round? I think that there is a case to be made there. She also mentioned Brooke Yanez being out and how Oregon did a real great job, you know, even getting to where they were this year to potentially be on the cusp of hosting. And that's that's huge. You know, you're number one out. The rest of the staff has done enough. The offense has been explosive enough to where I think they've got a shot in Fayetteville. But they, they did not have the quality wins to warrant a seed. And I do feel like it's kind of a bummer for them that their trips have been to Texas last year with all that drama and then Arkansas this right. year. Yeah, because, again, the committee doesn't look at those type of matchups or anything to try, try to create that drama, but will send Oregon to Texas to play Mike White. And then not only did they not do Oregon any favors, they didn't do Arkansas any favors. That's true. By sending Oregon there. So whether we, because we've been talking about which, or I've been talking about Wichita State, there's no guarantee Wichita State gets past Oregon. And Oregon, Arkansas is also a really tough matchup. Denise, were you surprised at where Texas finished? No. Nope. Not really. All they really had on that profile was beating Oklahoma, which is great. But as the season continued from that point, the, the resume just didn't get better. They, right. they did not build. You can't go 0-4 against Oklahoma State all in games after you beat Oklahoma. You know, that's a, what, one in six record against the top two yeah. teams in the league? Also, yeah, you beat Oklahoma. You also lost to them twice. Right. I wasn't surprised. I think it was a little bit of inflated ego to think that Texas was going to be in, in a top 16 seed from them. Final question from Sydney. We all know which Sydney this oh. is. Do the inflated pitching numbers still carry through postseason or will pitchers take over again? There are two questions here from Sydney. So basically she's asking, will it continue to be long ball, long ball, offensive power show, or will we see some of the aces come back into their normal form here in the NCAA tournament? I kind of lean yes, because I feel like we saw in the conference tournaments, the pitching kind of get back up to the level we're used to. Right. I, I think, you know, in post, until I see it differently, postseason's pitching, you know, the, the best pitchers have the best, success in postseason play most games in the postseason are three one or are two nothing type games they're right. not very rarely is it going to be a 10-9 game uh, especially the further you get along in postseason you'll see some of those in regionals but very rarely in supers or or in the world series are there that many runs scored so i i think it is going to be it's going to come down to pitching at the end final question from sydney who are your top five postseason potential MVPs? Uh, I think it's whatever pitcher can beat Oklahoma. Right. And if it's Oklahoma, Jocelyn Allo just adds to the list. And I I have to look at the field for OKC to make predictions of the other three. But I think that those would probably be your best two candidates, right? Yeah, definitely. I, I think if it's Oklahoma, it's going to be either Allo. But the problem with Oklahoma is that it's, it, even if Allo could go over the entire tournament, and they'd still be one of the best offenses in the, in, in the entire thing. So for sure. uh, it could be one of the other ones for Oklahoma. Uh, depends on her health, whether or not Jordy Ball's coming, able to come back pitching-wise. Uh, but like I said, any of those aces 
at the at the top of Montana Fouts, the Gabby Plain, Sander Cock, yeah. Maxwell, Dels. Yeah. There, there's any of those that that can you know if, if they pitch their team there, they're going to be the MVP. And also, folks, don't forget, no flip this year. So once you're on your side of the bracket, you're on that side of the bracket. And you know, for example, Alabama would not have to face Oklahoma until the World Series Champ Series should both of those teams make it. So I do think that is interesting, though. And it makes the potential of Arizona State, Oklahoma, that much more intriguing because if Arizona State does get that night one game on OU, they'd still have to find a way most likely to beat them again later on down the road. And even with the flip, if that that was the case last year with James Madison. Right. They got that one win. They got that first win, but then they, they couldn't beat them twice later on. So we'll see how it goes. Okay, that's the mailbag, Tom. And now it's time for Off the Wall. Mm. I don't have a ton here, so I'll let you hit lead off. Well, I've seen a lot of the comments uh, following the announcement of the selections of Alabama really has fallen off. (laughs) There's the one, yeah, Alabama really fell off from last year. Is how, how amazing how far they've fallen. They're still a top eight seed. They fell from three to six. From an eight to an eight, Tom. Right. I mean, come on. It's amazing to see the people that have their stance and they're going to stick with it regardless of what happens. They're going to proclaim that they were correct even when everything that is is said and done shows that they were totally incorrect. They will stick with it. I don't, and again, this coming from people that are supposedly fans of the team is what is the most reflecting perplexing thing and why we continue to have to have this segment. I'm going to defend Patrick Murphy. Who doesn't even need to do that for no. him? You know, his resume can can do all the defending, but I'm just going to make a, the a man, statement. The man's in multiple Hall of Fames. Multiple halls, all yes. the fames. You're right. I've seen talking about that it's time for Murph to go and saying that it's time for Alabama to move on. And here's my thought. In college football, because I know a lot of you watch way more college football than you do college softball. Are you calling some of these people fogs? Maybe. Okay. In college football, when do we talk about midseason firings or even just like before the end of the year firings? When it's so bad, there's no other decision to make. When, it, when it's Ed Ogeron at LSU. Oh, my gosh. Lane just lost by 45 to Stanford. It's, right. It's time. Alabama. Leave them on the tarmac. <laughs> yes. Alabama is the number six overall seed and finished second in the SEC. So let's say even if Alabama was like, you know, I think we need to have a conversation with Murph. Why are you advocating for a coaching change right before the NCAA (laughs) tournament where Alabama is a top eight national seed? Right. That doesn't even make sense. No. It doesn't even make sense. Also, no. Right. There's no need to make a change. The game hasn't passed Coach Murphy by. We read all the comments when you were saying that in 18. And guess what? Alabama won the SEC in 19. There is a very young roster this year that's going to get older next year. And I, for one, am very excited about the future of this program under Patrick Murphy. But, I mean, stop asking for Alabama to make a coaching change right before the NCAA tournament. It doesn't even make any sense. No. Don't And, and I, like, maybe that's not what you mean, but that's how it reads. And it's stupid because no top 10 program ever, unless the coach is doing something illegal, Ooh. has ever just fired somebody. That's just not how it works. Yeah. Sorry. And as always, when, when these, again, it, it's a small minority that is very vocal on, on the socials, but when, when they put these up, the question I always have, 
who who's coming? Who who got yeah. better? Who's going to be better? What what is what is, who who's out there that you that is better than Hall of Famer Patrick Murphy? I, I don't understand. The the other ones I think are are a lot of fun are the the people that well we got to find a way to hit. <laughs> Thanks. Yes, we we are aware. Again, uh, we are all very confident in the knowledge that. Alabama has never won a game 0-0. Very sure of it. You have all those Excel spreadsheets. Right. Every spreadsheet I have, no W's next to a zero <laughs> in the run column. I understand. I promise you Alabama understands. They have to hit better than they had the last couple of weeks. I have seen more circular meetings in the last couple times around the team than I have in years. Yes. They're aware of the issue. We got the bats out. There's maybe a live chicken involved. We'll do it whatever we got to do. It's going to happen. The bat, Yes. The, we understand the offense needs to be better. How is that your only comment? <laughs> okay. And, and again, it's not like this has been an issue all season long. It was a, it was a very disappointing end of the season that we've said it on the air. We were very, very honest. Did not like what happened in Gainesville. Didn't like what happened in, in the Missouri series, even though Alabama won that series, by the way. It didn't feel great. It didn't feel great. Yeah. Losing at College Station two out of three. Yes, it, it was a, a hiccupy end of the season. We certainly understand there are issues there, but it's not like it's been that way all year. And because of that and the talent that is on this team with maybe losing early in the SEC tournament is going to be a, the silver lining is you had more time to come back and work and, and get yourself. And ready. they did. As oh soon gosh. as we landed, there was practice. I went home. The players got off the plane and went to the, went to the Rhodes house and, and got back to work. So it's not like Alabama is just kind of sitting back and say, ah, well, we'll see if we'll see if it figures itself out. They are working to do it. They have the talent to be able to do it. Just support them. There's no reason not to support them. And there is, it's not like there's no precedent on a team having a rough conference tournament and then making a run in the, in the, in the tournament. That, oh man. That has happened numerous times. It's not like we saw last year, an average Florida state team with no offense lose to Pitt. Right. Pitt, yeah. who's way worse than A&M <laughs> late in the year, lose in the conference tournament and then make a run to the champ series. I think that would probably be the most comparable positive scenario for Alabama right except maybe you know win it sure but teams have come out of quote-unquote nowhere before yeah and you know doubtless team at your own risk you're in a situation when you're Alabama because it doesn't have this is the first time Alabama has not won at least one game in the SEC tournament with Patrick Murphy as the head coach so this is a literally it is uncharted territory for Alabama but it's not uncharted territory for all of college softball Right. It's, it's, this is not real unusual. This happened to other SEC teams where they've been one and done in the tournament and have come in and just run through their regionals and super regionals and gone to Oklahoma city. So let's, let's not decide to shut the program down because it was a bad SEC tournament. It was disappointing. I was disappointed. I, w- I was planning on staying in Gainesville all week. That, that, that was the plan. I had packed enough for us to be there for the championship. It didn't happen. That's sports sometimes, but Alabama is not going to just fold the tents because they had a couple bad weeks. I had so many clothes. I, I quote unquote did laundry when I got back. It was like three pairs of socks, a couple <laughs> boxers, one game shirt yeah. and the pants I wore. Mm. That was pretty much it. Yeah. I hung up a lot of things when we got home. And we did plan on staying in Gainesville longer, Tom, but also we stayed longer than I expected. You know, We did not travel home until the next day. And so because of that, 
we got to semi-participate in some eating yes. in the Gainesville area. And that is my hopefully solid transition to Tom's Hungry, Tom. It's very professional. Thank well you. done. I do what I can. Yes, is well, this episode 55? I think we should, <laughs> we have it down. Don't give us too much credit. Yeah. 54. Oh, excuse me. 54. Official. We've done some other ones. True. But yes. Yeah. So we were able to knock out a couple of the other places, a couple of ones that we weren't able to get to uh, when we were there for the uh, regular season matchup with the Gators. And uh, one that I was particularly looking forward to, and it's one that we were able to hit before we left, which was. Halo donuts. Yes. Delicious. Mm. Somehow potatoes are involved. I'm not 100% sure how that, that happens, but I got the OG, which was uh, both of these very filling. You could probably get by with just the one, but we went with the two because it was our only chance to go. Uh, went with the OG, which is like a, a vanilla icing uh, on, the, on the cake donut. And then I had a strawberry sprinkle donut. I'm a big fan of sprinkles, and, and I, thought, I thought they were very good. <laughs> Little tidbits. Little about tidbits. Tom. Yes. Tommy tidbits. Yes. Love sprinkles. Yeah, I had uh, the cake batter. I had the last one, unbeknownst to yes. me, when I Stu. ordered it. Like I said, all oh, the cake batter. She said, "Great." And then Stuart Moore goes up and asks for the cake batter. And she goes, "I'm sorry, it was the last one." And he looks at me. He's like, "I didn't know. I just right. ordered. Go quicker in line." And after he said, "Go ahead, Gray," and then you went. Yes. Right. So I was like, "Oh, so my bad." Mm, yes. uh, the cake batter was excellent. There's just like a creativity there with the icing that they used. The dough is really good. It was very impressive. Not the best donut I've ever had, but 100% very quality. Did you, you did not get the, ba- the maple bacon? I did not. I had a taste of stews. We traded briefly sure. because of the whole cake batter You're incident. Right. Yeah. And I thought it was good. Maybe it touched too maple-y. I, you know, if you're going to have that much maple, a little more bacon. A little more bacon, yeah. But I thought it was also really good. And then... Our first night there, we went to the Pomodoro Cafe, which was an, is an Italian place, the, the standard Italian meal before we get going. Of course. I had the chicken parm, which was outstanding. I thought it was really good. Their bread that they sent beforehand. Uh, I've had better bread in Gainesville. I, I was very upset to learn that one of our favorite Italian places in Gainesville shut down. So they that has really good Italian bread. I've never been, so right. I have no emotion. But but this bread was was quite good. The one thing I will say... It's as though the fact that we uh, pre-ordered slowed them down a little bit. <laughs> that it was one a delivery of one at a time when it seems like we could have taken two or three at a time. So there was a little bit of delay on getting the food, which is a negative for me. I marked that down along with the bagel place. We got you know you got to speed it up a little bit. When Tom's hungry, Tom's hungry. So let's go. <laughs> uh, but overall, I thought it was really good chicken parm. Chicken parm is great. I, I want to give credit to the bread. The bread was great. We had like a running joke at our end of a table because I just kept asking for bread. Mm-hmm. And I wanted more bread because of the balsamic vinaigrette yeah, type dipping, dipping sauce. Yes. What the heck? That was so good. High quality, high quality. Stuff. Real good stuff. I took multiple loaves from Ashley Prangy. Uh, it didn't affect her. She was still great the next day. Right, yeah, yeah. But I, the bread was superb. We need to coordinate better. Because both of us getting chicken parm when there were lots of things on the list, we can do better than yeah, that. So yeah. next time we'll we'll talk it out when we make our pre-order. That's that's on me. That's my bad. That's uh, good. Anything so. else you want to add for Tom's Hungry? Did we do anything else? We ate at that one burger place after the loss. Oh yeah, I couldn't tell you what it was called. It, the grub. It was grub, called grub. Yes, there you yes. go. Uh, and uh, milkshakes were actually really good. Yes, especially for me and yeah. a couple other folks. Yes. Potent or non-potent, they were both very good. And and the burger I had was actually really good. It was a uh, bacon cheeseburger. I don't know that shocks you, uh, but it was <laughs> it, it was quite good. 
we're so easy to predict i had the hot mess which was a chicken sandwich with mac and cheese the chicken actually not good it was like overcooked i couldn't bite into it that's too bad yeah but the mac and cheese was great and so what i did is i just took the bun off and ate the mac and cheese with the bun which was like i think brioche it was great so disappointing but that whole day was disappointing so maybe par for the course yeah it's kind of hard to do tom's hungry and really appreciate it if you're, you know, coming off of a loss. Uh, that's unfortunately happened a couple of the places in conversation that probably would be higher up when we finally do the podium, uh, but weren't really able to appreciate it because we were drowning our sorrow. So for some of us, literally. Mm, yeah. Okay, there is Tom's Hungry, and that is the Bracket Reaction Show. Yes. Apologies for the length of the podcast, but this is my favorite show of the year, and damn it, I'm not going to cut out a bunch of parts because... I think a lot of it is valuable to you, the listener. At this point, I don't think people are tuning in assuming it's going to be a 45-minute episode. That's true. Especially this one. If you don't know what you're going to get by this point, uh, I don't know what to tell you. Tom, any final thoughts before we get ready for regionals? I can't believe it. Yeah, it's coming right up. We're coming up on Friday in the first game, as we said, 3 o'clock, 2.50 the airtime on the Crimson Tide Sports Network for Alabama and Chattanooga. And Like we said, I, I think the committee did as good a job as they've ever done with seeding the tournament, a couple of changes we would have made, but overall, I think they've set it up to be a very even tournament. I think there's going to be uh, several upsets, at least in regionals, maybe not affecting the entire regional champion, but like those two, three seeds, that those are gonna be some of the best games that we've seen in a long time. So pay attention on Friday and Saturday to some of those other matchups. For sure. And, you know, hopefully the upsets will be avoided in Tuscaloosa. But as you mentioned, we will be there with, uh, I believe, Francesca Anea will be in town as well. A Florida Gator who I've talked to a little bit on Twitter, but never met. Very excited to meet her. Alex Perlman will be here in town. It's going to be a ton of fun. Great crowds. I believe we're at least close to a sellout, if not already sold out. Uh, I, I, if you're wanting to go, get tickets now. Yeah, like hurry, yeah. hustle, uh, and bustle, if you will. Get and they're available. If you're not coming, Tom, and you're not going to watch on TV, or you want to do the whole audio video pair thing, mm-hmm. tune in on the Crimson Tide Sports Network, Cal, Tom. Yeah, like we said, if you're listening in Tuscaloosa over the air on the radio, 97.5 FM, uh, we are on 10 minutes before Alabama plays, regard- whenever that is. Uh, it, it will be uh, game one, as we said, 250 airtime for the three o'clock first pitch. Also at nick975.com, uh, the me nine seven me TV 975 app, as well as the varsity app, uh, will have all your coverage all weekend long. And of course, we will do a lot of tweeting. I'm at gray underscore Robertson. Lots of hopefully sirens from at out of the box underscore pod typically the sirens die down about midway through because we get into the hustle and bustle and i frankly lose track All right they'll be ready to go for the postseason time. oh yeah you got them got them on the ready yes uh hopefully everywhere but tuscaloosa we'll see <laughs> and then happen. of course out of the box will retweet you often sure from where uh t canterbury rtr t canterbury c-a-n-t-e-r-b-u-r-y there we go. Yes. Let's go to work. Let's go. Regionals coming up. It's the NCAA tournament. This is the best time of the year. I can't wait for all these picks to be wrong, Tom, <laughs> but I will be excited to watch the journey. Oh, yeah. It's it, like like you said, it is it is really this weekend for a softball fan, it doesn't get any better. You have so many different chances to watch so many different teams and all of them playing well to be here. So it's going to be a lot of fun. No better way to put it. 
For Tom Canterbury, I'm Gray Robertson. Thank you so much for sticking around with us on this episode of the Out of Box Podcast. Happy postseason. We'll see you next time.